This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. It's not funny at all, but raise your hand if you were resigned to laughing or chuckling, at least for a moment around 5.55 on a Sunday evening. Laughing, chuckling, more of just... uh... Trying to smile through it, I guess. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah, I was trying to smile through I it. I had no other emotions left. And I was yeah. done. Yeah. Put it down. <laughs> End it. Yeah. Cut me off. Mm-hmm. Wow. I looked up in the thesaurus last night for TV <laughs> what embarrassing meant in a lot of different ways. Sure. Came up with some good ones. Okay. Ended with cringeworthy mm. uh, of the, like the seven, eight, nine, ten I, I listed. And uh, they all speak volumes, uh, by the way. Jacksonville Jaguars just flat-out stink, and November proved that. They're not a good football team. No changes are being made. No changes are going to be made this week, according to Doug Marone. Still have not heard anything from Shad Khan or Tom Coughlin, and I'm not surprised by that, although many people want to hear what you want and what you expect might be two different things, and uh, that will not happen in my opinion. And where does it go from here? Well, the ship is sinking, no doubt about it. We know what was at stake for Doug Marone and this coaching staff and maybe even this entire front office going into 2019. And at 4-4, and they had it all in front of them. And now we're looking at the one of the worst stretches in franchise history in the three most important games of the Jacksonville Jaguars season and maybe the three most important games of Doug Marone's coaching tenure here in Jacksonville. So the writing's on the wall. That's about it. I know everybody wants change and knee-jerk reaction right away. I don't think the Jaguars are doing that. Doug Marone said in a conference call this afternoon he does not feel like there is any change that he can make that will help the football team win right now. Uh, So he's not just going to pull the trigger on a move just for change's sake, which sometimes does happen in the NFL. Uh, The other thing is he's not switching quarterbacks, although much of the fan base would like to see Gardner Minshew. That is not happening at the moment as well. So that's the up-to-date news on those fronts, those big stories. Now, just because it's not happening doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. (laughs) That's a different storyline. What a collapse for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially in that five, six minutes of the third quarter. You know, I counted it off. I did it on TV last night. It was from 5.38 p.m. until 5.52 p.m. It went 7-3 to to 28-3, just like that. (laughs) And let me add one thing in here. The network took two commercial breaks. Two commercial breaks, 7 to 3 to 28 to 3. In 14 minutes of real time, less than three minutes on the game clock. It was disgusting and uh, one of the worst stretches in, in Jaguars' recent memory, if not their entire history. So I don't want to have the knee the knee jerk reaction, the emotional reaction to this. I gave my three takeaways last night after the game, and everything that I said, I'm still sticking by. I think the fact that there are zero changes that are about to be done, all things considered, this week when they play against Tampa Bay at home, um, I think it's it's a mistake. I think that the entire team right now, and I'm not going to just pinpoint one or two players. Here we are again. I'm talking about the entire offense, the entire defense, um, even some of the special teams. They're not playing well, and they're not playing up to their standards. And when you have that, it falls directly on the coaching. Now, I'm just basically just beating a dead horse by saying there's got to be changes. There has to be changes. But in my opinion, there has to be because – 
if you're the, if you're Shad Khan, the owner, and you say, you know what, this has been a horrible season, and, and your comments are still echoing from last season when you said they're not going to settle for the status quo. Well, guess what? You guys are below the status quo now. In my opinion, you guys are worse than last year because at least last year you had the excuse of injuries. Right there's a lot of injuries more more than the usual team would encounter. Uh, their offensive line was absolutely depleted. So from that perspective, yeah, okay, you, you had a bad 2018 campaign. So be it. This year, you went in after the bye week with the full roster pretty much intact. Now, yeah, you, you, you Swain was out, Marquise Lee out for the season, but any other team would take that in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Marcel Darius, who obviously yeah. is it's hurting them not having Marcel Darius to some degree. Yeah, some degree. A little, uh, maybe yeah. 20 yards worth of running? <laughs> what, it's, yeah, it's, it's whatever it is. But my point is this. is You had exactly what you wanted. You had the roster intact after the bye week. So if you want to go ahead and blame talent on it, well, then that falls on the GM. And then the GM change needs to be made. If you're happy with, with, the, with the players that you have on your team, then you're not getting the most talent out of them. Then that falls on coaching. Either way, and uh, yes, some of it falls on the players. The players got to play better. The players got to be focused. But we're talking about the entire team here. We're talking about the entire culture here. And if we're doing that, there needs to be a change made because if you're a Jaguars fan, and I'm going to be honest with you, if you're a Jaguars fan and you're trying to cling to something, you're going to go and watch the game against Tampa Bay. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I hope they do because that's good for the city, obviously. But if you're a Jaguars fan, what sign from the team have you seen to have any kind of optimism whatsoever right now? Oh, no, I, I don't think there's any kind of optimism, and I own the Sunshine and Rainbows Club. I think it's more just about, can DJ Chark get 10 touchdowns? Can Leonard Fournette get 1,000 yards and however many touchdowns? Can uh, Nick Foles show you some reason why they are sticking with him and why he was paid $88 million? And if all this internal, hey, we're going to keep grinding, we're going to keep building, we're going to keep all this, will pay off in these final five games in some way, shape, or form, on the field with performance because as of now it hasn't again i get all those things we'll talk about a little bit of that dynamic later we did this a little bit last week too coming off some of the responses but i think we'll deeper dive into that just a bit because that's where like i brought up last week there's a disconnect people don't want to listen to nick Foles say that but inside the building some people have to hear that and they have to believe that it's a different world inside jags headquarters than it is outside right now and most of the time all the time. But, you know, I thought of this last two games so far, other than the, the first game of the year when he got hurt in that touchdown pass, which was a beautiful throw. Have you once said yet about Nick Foles that, wow, that was a cool play. That was a good play. That was an awesome throw. Mm-hmm. That's why they paid him. Haven't. Two games, you know. And so we'll get into the Nick Foles stuff. But uh, I, I, you brought up a good point. I didn't really think about it in the context of last year because last year felt so miserable. And they were three and one and they were coming off all the good stuff and they were riding and then it went boom. I mean, that was like the stock market crash mm-hmm. last year. Right? That was just so jarring. Well, you know what? You might be right. This might be worse. And they had the excuses of that. Not only that, most people would tell you they had the excuse of at least they were running Blake Bortles out there. They like the two quarterbacks they have now. Mm-hmm. So in context of last and they have a healthy Leonard Fournette, they're bell cow. So. I I think uh, you're right. Uh, The more I think about that, as you just said it, this is worse than last year. And Mm -hmm. I think so much so because everybody circled these three games. We knew these three games were going to make or break. And nobody saw getting swept by 20-plus every single game and giving up 200 yards rushing. I don't care how how negative you are. Nobody saw that. Now, 
the sunshine pumpers, as we're like uh, affectionately called, they might have said, we're going to sweep them all and, and win three in a row and bam, win the division, all that stuff. Yeah, sure, it was out in front of them, but I think realistically nobody said that either. Mm-hmm. Everybody was thinking, hey, two and one, at worst is going to be one and two, and maybe you're still in the middle of it, but one and two wouldn't be good. Nobody saw this coming. And it's really for the first time, and, and uh, yeah, I'm catching up with you, uh, if, uh, if you always believe this, but I try to hang in there as long as I can on the coaching staffs and all that stuff. I really do. I try to, I think it's tough to win. I think it's tough to win in the NFL. It's tough to get it right. So I really try to hang in. But I think this stretch of football, not just yesterday, this stretch of football, and I said this last week, so I got to be true to this. I said, if they give up 200 yards rushing again in three straight weeks, I'm not sure somebody will come back on the plane. Well, they all came back on the plane, but I'm not going to fall off that. I, I am a little surprised that there isn't a little shakeup going on this week in Jacksonville. And I couldn't defend it not being a shakeup. Like, I can't, I don't understand why they're not. I mean, they, how do you give up three straight weeks in a critical time, pretty healthy football team overall, and 200 plus yards when you're trying to fix it? You said all week you were trying to fix it, tackling and angles and all these things, and now you're still giving it up. So it doesn't make sense that there isn't any kind of shakeup to me. Uh, I don't advocate those things. I'm not a big fan of those things. I, I get it. It's tough, but I'm a little surprised there isn't. And on top of that, I think now it does go back to Doug Marone and this coaching staff and what they have down there because of these three weeks. Nothing else. You can take everything else because what I have to go be honest with what I said this this last month and a half. I said I thought Doug Marone did a great job keeping this thing together. They lose their quarterback, the Ramsey charade, all that stuff. I thought he did a great job of keeping it together to get to four and four. Well, here we are. They've gotten progressively worse these last three weeks, which included a bye week in a critical stretch of football, and they're getting worse. They're not even showing signs of getting better. He's now made maybe the wrong decision in the Nick Foles and, and Gardner Minshew button that needed to be pushed. And on top of that, all the stuff that he did to keep everything together, hoping that the players would respond in a positive way, if healthy, and the way he treated them in August and everywhere else, it's completely backfired. And so while I applauded it while it was happening, he even knew this too. And he said in the beginning of the season, it's either going to work or it isn't. Well, guess what? It isn't. And it isn't probably means it's not working for much longer in Jacksonville for Doug Marone. I don't know of any other way to say it. I mean, they, he laid it out there this season. He put it out there. The players haven't responded. They didn't coach them up enough. They didn't do the right things. And maybe what's even worse is how they've come out in the third quarters. I'm not a huge halftime adjustment guy in the NFL. You get 12 minutes, okay? I mean, you can make a tweak here or there. But these last two weeks in the third quarter, holy cats. Well, and the, I mean, and holy cats. That tells you about coaching right now. The, the, the great coaches can go on a halftime, realize what their opponent is doing, and adjust to it. And the past two weeks, the Jaguars have absolutely been out coached after the second half. There's no excuses. Uh, yeah, there's no. I can't defend that. I can't tell you anything else. I don't know how else to say it. Your calls welcome. Star Star six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. Bring on the therapy session. We'll talk about the coaching staff. Do they need to make a decision soon? Can they wait till the end of the year? What's the latest? What's going on next? We're coming back next. Talking Jags on ESPN six ninety. Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 is brought to you by Best Bet Jacksonville and Orange Park. As far as the Jaguars, 
it's kind of like the guy who's been married five times and he keeps saying, well, I haven't found the right woman. Dude, it's you. In this case, it's the coach. It's not the quarterback. (laughs) That was a pretty good explanation. Yeah. That was Noted. a good explanation. <laughs> if, if, hey. ever, if ever caught my fifth wife, I'll be sure to, all right, <laughs> word to yourself, it's me. By the way, how much are you going to, how are you going to be able to split this radio salary up with four <laughs> different divorces? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a it's tough thing be a to rough do. One, man. At, wow. least, at least in the NFL, you got a little more money to play oh, with. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Signing bonuses and yeah, endorsement deals. Actually, that might be the best. Right? What's up? You get divorced four different times and you're and you're making like nothing. They get nothing out of it. Mother <laughs> <laughs> stick with me because you get nothing out of it. There's a lot of guys right there fist pumping. Yeah. Yeah, you tell. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yes, we are. One well, and done. Yeah, one, one and, and done, done man. We're I'm one and done. Twenty years. I know you are, man. You're good. One and done. <laughs> All right, let's get right to the line. Star Star Six Nineties a number. All right, Stephen, what you got, man? Hey guys, first and foremost, thanks for letting me uh, take my or take my call. I'm really, really disappointed with how the Jags are just overall acting as a football team. And in my personal opinion, I think it starts and ends with the owner. I think if the owner allows mediocre coaching, uh, I think that that's on him. I think him not making any type of comments out loud to the fans and the season ticket holders can hear that he's frustrated. Frustrated, that's on him. And I think him not making any changes directly. That's on him. I think he doesn't know it. And it's my personal opinion. He's a very good businessman, but I don't think he knows that much about football because I guarantee if this is a bigger market like a Philadelphia or a Dallas, like those guys aren't waiting for the shoe to drop. They're going to make a decision, and they're going to make some things like roll in the building. This guy is going to be like, well, we'll just wait until the end of the season to make changes. That's not fair to the fan base. That's not fair to the city of Jacksonville. That's not fair, period. You know what I mean? I understand he's a multi-billionaire and it's his team, but at the end of the day, he's got to give the fans that pay money every week something to cheer about. And right now, Sean Khan's doing a poor job of doing that. I'll take your comments off the air while the show. Steven, thanks for listening, man. Thanks for calling Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. A lot to unpack right there and going after Shad Khan in terms of not being able to pull the trigger quicker. Here's a couple of thoughts, all right? Uh, One is you have to remember – see, what I always – I supported them coming back this year in a big way, not just small, in a big way. Mm. And I understand people were mad at the end of last year, but you mentioned the injuries. The injuries were ridiculous, and people can't use that as – I get it, Uh, but – a lot of people were fed up with this regime, Tom Coughlin included, because of re-signing Blake Bortles, as much as it was the off-the-field stuff. And that's fine. You can have your opinions. You might be right. I'm not telling you you're wrong. And now it turns out you might be right, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we do this long enough and you say everybody should be fired or cut, you're probably going to be right in the NFL because yeah. sooner or later it's coming. But my point of hanging on to the staff last year was – Wait a minute. Stop the car. This is the same group of people that got you to an AFC championship game. An AFC championship game. We can't lose sight of that, right? I mean, last year, that was a year removed, and people wanted to fire them. A year removed from an AFC championship game, a place this franchise had only gone two other times in its 25-season history. So I thought that alone was like, wait a minute here. Let's be patient. But Shotcon showed he will be patient to a degree in his statement after last season and said, I did not like the way the last three quarters of that season went. And we're keeping the guys, but 
They're on notice, essentially, is what he said. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And they've been on notice. So this year's a totally different circumstance. And I also don't believe necessarily three years is too long in terms of keeping a staff. I mean, I think three years is a good amount of time to prove which way you're going and how this thing is working. And right now it's starting to nosedive in Jacksonville. So I guess to kind of get to the caller's you know statements here and what he thinks, listen, when it comes to Shad Khan, I had the, you know, I had the privilege to um, talk to him a couple times when I played for the Jaguars, and I think he's a great guy. He's a great businessman. Now, is he the biggest, quote unquote, football mind out there? Absolutely not. But he hires people to do that job for him. But here's my issue with it, Brent. And I thought the caller made some great points here. If you're the owner of an NFL team, you should never, truth be told, you should never really care about necessarily the fans' opinion about firing people and things like that, right? Like, you you hire people for that. So the fans' opinion should go by the wayside. But here's my issue with it. Shad Khan, and we we heard we used the word, was it viability? Is that the word, the buzzword that we've... Yeah, viable. Okay, yeah. Vi- whatever it is. So Shad no, Khan... Viability's okay. I think okay, viable, viability. <laughs> whatever the buzzword well, was that we went into the thesaurus once in the last yeah, 24 yeah, yeah. hours. Like going whatever, back. The, whatever the buzzword was. But Shad Khan kind of put, poked a jab at the fans and said that they're not coming out to the games. Yeah. Right? And then there was a, the, the question of, do they move the game to London for a second time? So he kind of put it all in the fans' court. So that shows that he definitely values the fans' opinion. So if you're Shad Khan and the Jaguars have absolutely been blown out, I don't even care what the scores were. I get it. The Jags dropped 20 yesterday. No. The, the, the game was a lot worse than what the score indicates. It's 101 to 36 yeah. this month in three AFC South games. So the, the Jaguars lose three in a row to AFC South teams. And not just lose, molly whopped, curb stomped, use that race, yeah. boat race, whatever you want to say. Get absolutely dominated, and no changes have been made. So what kind of message are you sending to the fans about your football team where it's like, yeah, the, the, the product on the field has been some of the worst that we've probably ever seen, to tell you the truth, with the talent that they're supposed to have, been some of the worst that we've ever seen, and there's no changes being made. It's just the fact that, ah, all right, so we got beat by the Titans big time. Let's, you know what, let's go ahead and spin the dice. Let's try the same formula again and see what happens against Tampa Bay at home this time. And let's see if the fans show up for it. You know, I think that if you start bringing the fans and questioning their dedication to coming to the games, you at least have to show as an owner that you're willing to make some kind of changes and you're willing to show, you know what, this behavior right now, us losing three in a row to AFC South Division opponents, it's not acceptable. Something's got to change. We're not going to go with the status quo. But guess what? By not letting anybody go, by not holding anybody accountable, you are going with the status quo yeah and i think i'm a little surprised i, I told you already I'm, I'm a bit surprised there wasn't a, isn't a move made uh, because one i think it's happening it's it's going that way anyway so you have now five weeks that you can change something so i'm a bit surprised uh, by that i told you last week i told you on social media yesterday during the game and i'm telling you right now and listen i love i like todd wash I like Todd Watt. I mean, I'm I'm not rooting for people to lose their jobs. I'm just saying in this business, if you give up the way this thing has been headed and now you give up four times in 11 games, 200 plus yards rushing and you're pretty healthy overall, then that's going to come back to you. And three times in a row in an AFC South division where it was all there for the taking, I'm just surprised nothing has taken place yet. One other thought about what the caller said, though, and I, I got to go. I'm just trying to talk all around it here and why Shad Khan doesn't make moves maybe faster. as some, and, and he brought up Dallas. Well, first of all, Jason Garrett's been there forever, and the Jags have won more playoff games than Dallas has this century. 
Okay, so yeah. they Jerry Jones, who who might come out and talk like that, certainly has had the ultimate line of patience. With, yeah, but the, with the, they're still going to the playoffs. Jason so Garrett. year in year out. How about year in year well, out, man? They've been in the playoffs been a lot more, more than the Jaguars have. That's yeah. true. They've yeah. been more competitive. They certainly hasn't, haven't been 2-14, and 3-13. Yeah. But my point is, you're talking about a guy that's volatile in Jerry Jones. You think he comes across that way? He's kept this guy there for a long time now. I also would say Pittsburgh. How many people in the last couple of years said Pittsburgh should fire Mike Tomlin? Probably a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. Right with all the mess going on there, I haven't won a Super Bowl, I think, or been to a Super Bowl since 2009 in Pittsburgh. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, Mike Tomlin, everybody's praising him this year for the job he's doing. John Harbaugh, another guy who looked to be on his way out in Baltimore. Look what they've done. So I'm not advocating and telling you, you have to stay through it, but the folks that do stay through it sometimes get rewarded on the other side for staying through it. And there's two different ways to view it. You stick through it. You keep with the consistency because changing all the time is too much change in a building. Yeah. And I think Shad Khan wants to subscribe to that theory. That's my view from, from this side of it. And that's what he showed. He stuck with Gus Bradley probably for a year more than anybody else wanted to. But he said, we're going to keep, we're going to see if we can make this happen here. It's better than changing. A- again, I'm not telling you he's right in that. He's actually been proven wrong in that. That wasn't the right move. Maybe they should have gotten rid of this regime after last year. Maybe he's not right. But I'm telling you, that looks to be his philosophy. And I think that changes in the NFL. Some people get rid of coaches quick. Some people stick through it and try to get through the muddy water so they can build their 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 cultures and, and whatever else and give them enough time to do things. Uh, well, time's running out on Doug Marone. This coach. Is there any part of you that believes Doug Marone can survive this now in the staff? When I say Doug Marone, I mean the entire staff. And we'll talk front office in a different way. But I'm talking about the coaching staff right now. Can they survive four and seven the way they've lost in November and rally somehow in the month of December? Um, first of all, the Steelers, they, they did go to the Super Bowl back in 2011. They played Green Bay. Oh, it was 11. Is it nine that they won it? Nine they won it in 2011. Yep, no, you're okay. good. Uh, just a little correction. But so can can they manage their jobs? Can they somehow salvage this season? In my opinion, absolutely not. No. I think the, the writing's on the wall, which make which makes this a little more frustrating to me from the standpoint of, let's be honest, you're not going to the playoffs, okay? The, the playoffs are done. Leonard Fournette then came out yesterday and said, yeah, he We're basically not going to was talking past tense about yeah. this season with yeah. five to go. And you know what? Good for him because the fan, I mean, I think everybody can see the playoffs are done. The Jaguars are not going to the playoffs this year. Accept that. So if that's but the Austin, case, then, what if? Oh, sorry, no, no, you're good. <laughs> hey, here comes the sunshine and rainbows. Like I, I thought, Brent was done with that, and I thought I just Nick kidding. Falls took over as CEO of Sunshine I, and Rainbows. I was just kidding. Now Brent's sunshine back and in, rainbows. Exactly. Now Brent's back in the pole position. That's cool. Nick, Nick Falls is now the owner. He's the owner. He's the CEO, owner, and <laughs> yeah. uh, president. But uh, so to me, no, Brent, and, and that's kind of the frustrating thing is the fact that let's be honest, all the Jaguars have to play for now is I guess trying to evaluate the talent going forward. You know, because now you really have to look at who do you have on your roster, who is expendable, as bad as that sounds. But you start have to you have to start evaluating that as well because you have a big draft ahead of you. There's a lot of draft picks ahead of you, a lot of drafts, a lot of draft capital uh, ahead of you. So you have to start doing your due diligence now and seeing, all right, who's going to be a Jaguar going forward? Who's going to buy into the new culture that will be set up by the next head coach and things of that nature? And I, from my standpoint, once again, I just don't see if you don't have the playoffs to, you know, to win or to, to at least have a goal towards, 
What's the point of not making a change then? What what are you trying to stick on to? Just well, the fact that it's the holidays, you don't want to let anybody go? No, nah, I, don't, like, I think it's that? less that. I, I think it's it, the, the philosophy has been – I remember this from the Gus conversation, okay? So I'm just talking about with Shad Khan yeah. and what he's kind of hinted at in the past, and that's all we have to draw from, right? I mean, sure. he fired Mike Malarkey and Gene Smith and, and did the whole regime change after that first year, but – this was the Gus one was more like this because there were a few years and and now the season had gone south and you knew the end was coming and he did fire Gus Bradley I think what with two games to go in the season but I, I think there was some talk that why not at the bye why not here and again this is something they subscribe to I'm not trying to tell you this is what works but this is what they think works and I think across the NFL there is a belief by some that if you fire midseason or you fire with five, six games to go, then you're going to get an initial bump for a week, but it really doesn't change anything. It doesn't make a difference at the end of the day. And so why not just keep and try to figure it out with what you've gotten and, and let it run out? I, again, I'm not telling you that's right, but yeah. I remember those conversations from, from the Gus Bradley end, and that was kind of the tone of the conversation. So my point is I don't think Shad Khan, he's going to go through everything he can before firing somebody, the head coach, midstream. I, I just think that's the way it's going to go. That's not to be said that it couldn't happen. Uh, but I think that's the way he's thinking first and foremost, and it's a last resort. South Beach Gary's online right now before we head to a break. What's up, man? I hate to say I told you guys so before the season started, but I told you guys so. Well, here's the deal, Gary. This is what I tell, love about I told you so, guys, at the start of the season. Everybody, if you – the NFL is an 8-8 eight and eight league. And so if you want to tell me that a team's not going to make the playoffs, well, guess what? You're probably going to be right most times and not because it's an 8-8 eight and eight league, especially if you don't have Tom Brady or one of those kind of quarterbacks. So I'm not saying it's okay, like you're wrong. I can't believe it. Yeah, you're sure you did. No, you're probably right. And, and next year you should probably tell us the same thing. And for the next five years I'll probably tell you the same thing about the Dolphins because I'll probably be right because yeah. it's hard to win and go to the playoffs unless you have the Bradys and this organization that's already built or you have a really lucky good year like the Jags did in 2017. That's just the way it proves out. Well, Brett, why didn't you give me the lecture then? Why did you say 10 and 6 on TV that the Jags were going 10 and 6? Because I'm a positive guy. Gary, I said 9 and 7, Gary. I said 9 and 7. Gary, were you the guy that bet us that the Dolphins would have a better record than the Jacksonville Jaguars this season? There's no such thing. Yes, you did. I, I never said the Dolphins were going to the playoffs this year. I knew they were rebuilding. I, what I said was the Dolphins weren't going winless. You said Which the Dolphins were going to have a better season than the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, I didn't. We're going to have to rewind that. that tape. All right, keep going anyway. It's our right. season. I guarantee you said it. You're right. The Jags, but, but, you but, told us but, so. But, 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 Austin, you're saying that the Dolphins and the Herbert Teco, what about the offensive line? They got more than one first-round pick, Austin. They have three first-round picks. The, the Dolphins you're talking you about here? take Herbert and rebuild your offensive line with three first-rounders, two seconds, free agents, and the tons of free agency money that the Dolphins have. You know, if they draft Herbert, that doesn't preclude them from getting an offensive line. Very cool. When uh, So can you give me a coach from the, that's come from Bill Belichick that's actually had success in the NFL? And maybe you can tell me Bill O'Brien, but to be fair, Bill O'Brien's been one and three in the playoffs. Name me one coach that's come from the Bill Belichick tree that's had success in the NFL. What's that got to do with anything? Because that's the Dolphins head coach right now is a coach from the Bill Belichick family tree. Austin. The, the, the Celtics never lost a game seven at home till the, the Celtics beat them at a game seven at home years ago. They went through 70 years of never losing a game seven at home. There's first all the time in sports. All right, what else you got on the Jags? Anything, Gary? Work, 
doesn't mean it, 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 it's set for life. It's in concrete. It's can written you, in stone you, because once again, the, what? Can can you name me one coach out of about twelve coaches that have coached in the NFL from Bill Belichick's system has any of them been successful? Well, Bill Bill Bill, Bill Bryant's been relatively successful. I think one and three in the playoffs. I don't think that's really successful. He's been about 500 for the Houston Texans. I wouldn't call well, that successful. They're, they're whipping, they whipped the Jaguars butt twice this year. Yes, yeah, they did. And, and the and Jaguars aren't good right now. That's fantastic. All right. I, I can you answer my question. And we got to run to a break. Right. Thanks, South Beach Garrett, for jumping in. Now, when we come, hey, speaking of a coach, uh, Adam, I was thinking of this. This is what, this is what's not, do we think Adam Gates is a good coach? They're going to work out in New York. Mm, don't have a good feeling. No, right? I don't have a good feeling. No. I have a terrible feeling about mm-hmm. it. But in the same stretch of football where the Jets were lost. Mm-hmm. They have no reason to play for anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't have everything in front of them. I think that would be a tough thing to swallow for me if I'm shotgun and just looking at this thing from afar. Yeah. The Jaguars were 4-4 four and four with everything in front of them in their division. And by the way, these are not the San Francisco 49ers, Green Bay Packers. Uh, they are not the Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints, the New England Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs in this division. Mm-hmm. And so they had average teams in the division. Meanwhile, you look at the Jets the last few weeks and what they're doing, they saw Somehow have found themselves. Why can't this team right around the corner at Jags headquarters find themselves at a critical time in November? Yet a team like the Jets, who are playing for nothing and have a miserable season, are now tied with the Jags at four and seven. Yeah, that would eat at me a little bit if I'm just looking at a couple of things across the league because I don't think Gase is very good. No, I don't think they're going many places with Gase. But even with that guy and the crazy eyes, they've been able to correct <laughs> their season. The Jaguars can't fix a damn thing right now. Mm-hmm. That's very concerning. I want to talk more about it, including the quarterback spot. Foles or Minshew? Foles or Minshew? Well, it's going to be Foles. And I know you can't be happy about that. Jacksonville, Star Star 690-904-362-9901. Brett Martin to Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's another miserable Monday, but thanks for hanging with us. Thanks everybody. Good thing we paid multi-millions for a backup quarterback. Shake my head. (laughs) Star Star 690, the place to voice your displeasure uh, during Sundays or any day of the week. And there were plenty of them. We'll get to more. Nice use the button there, Coos. Yeah, 904-362-9901. We have a couple calls on the line. We'll get to them. We said this a a long time ago. We'll take your calls at days like this. And uh, more than welcome to jump in. Got a lot of feedback on social media. I'll try to get to some of those as well. And, and well, we got the next few days. I'm not sure we'll get through everything today, but uh, we'll try like heck to do it. And the next part of the conversation becomes Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. Before I get to the lines, and some of them are about Foles, uh, Austin, where are you on Foles right now? Not where's everybody else and where's social media and, and, and all that. I know you were a Minshew guy. Stick with Minshew. Mm-hmm. So what you also have to do here is take yourself out of, hey, I, I knew it. I was right. I told you so, guy. But it's been two games and a quarter for Foles this season. What do you think right now? Would you push another button right now? Do you have to let it play out right now? <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go to the line. Well, no, no, no. Here's... <laughs> oh, man, okay. I remember that the dump button's available. Listen, so... 
with, with, the, with the whole Nick Foles. Stay close, Goose. I know. With, with the whole Nick Foles and Minshew thing, yeah, I was an advocate to keep Minshew going because I thought that you had to keep on cultivating, keep on developing. Because, listen, he's a rookie quarterback, and he's putting up some pretty good numbers. So I wanted to see where that got you. Okay, fine, whatever. You bring back Foles, I get it. If you're Doug Marone, you feel the most comfortable going with Foles uh, in London. And I'm sorry, it was in, in Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Uh, to try to win a ball game. Okay. You put the ball in his hands more than you should have, all right? You completely abandoned the running game, and you said basically, you know what? Foles is going to come out here, and he's going to beat the Colts because we think he's that good. Well, guess what? He wasn't that good, and he didn't play that good. So now let's fast forward to Tennessee. And the run game, for the most part, I thought the run game was working a little bit, Brent. I thought I saw a push for the first time that I've seen in a long time where you're getting the consistent five-yard, six-yard gains from Fournette, which you don't really see. Usually you're seeing Fournette maybe get stopped in the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden he breaks a 70-yard run, okay? But they were getting some consistent run. Well, then you use that to set up the pass. First drive was Yeah. You use that to set up the pass. But guess what? Whenever, and take the garbage minutes out of it, take the garbage time yeah, out of it. you got to take anything after the third, midway through the yeah. third quarter almost out of this game. Yeah. I'm saying from what I saw, it was another horrible game from Foles. And like I said, if you're not playing for the playoffs, because you're not anymore, the playoffs are done, so kiss those goodbye. What are you hanging on to right now by trying to have Nick Foles still be your quarterback? I think at least with Minshew, where you can keep on seeing what he's got. You can keep on getting him reps, because at the end of the day, he's a rookie, and rookies need reps. So... You can't save the season, obviously, because the season's over as far as I'm concerned. But at least you can kind of evaluate more talent and see what you have at the rookie quarterback position. Yeah, I got a little bit of a different thought or a little more context on that in just a moment. But let's, before we do that, get to DJ on the line. Uh, welcome in your calls on a Monday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, DJ? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, man, this uh, Nick Foles, Minshew thing, man, I was, I was with you, Austin, about keeping Minshew, the development, because I didn't think, Nick Foles earned the right to come in. This situation is different from the New Orleans Saints, meaning everybody knew Drew Brees was the leader of that team. Mm. Nick Foles didn't earn the right to be. So do those games that Minshew played, he earned those strikes. You understand? So you the, the game just looked when Foles in the last two weeks, you know, he was supposed to be the guy to stop the bleeding. You remember last year? We just need a guy to stop the bleeding. He's not that guy, and I don't think they mix together right now. Because, like you said, he missed uh, the preseason. Like, he just doesn't have the camaraderie with the guys, the, the togetherness, and Mitchell had that. You understand? And, and, and Brett, I disagree with you because I remember you said it was good that we had two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's, I think that's the bad way because, like you say, um, Double O is not putting Mitchell in. That's what that's, but you're gonna mess up his growth and his development. So come next year with that cap hit and all that, then you you ain't gonna have Nick Foles, the highest paid backup in the NFL, right? No, you're not. So it's like, man, it's it's, it's a real bad situation that you probably stump this man's growth. Somebody's gonna have to get traded. All right, DJ, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks for uh, checking in. Action Sports Checks on ESPN 690. Uh, listen. I guess here's where I am. Let's stop with Foles for a second and the Minshew mindset. I understand the stunting of the growth. But if Gardner Minshew plays next year, and there's some concern, by the way, there's some thought in that Houston game he was banged up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not even 100% healthy going into the bye week. That's definitely a thought. 
Uh, he's made the injury report a few times in his first couple months as the quarterback. So how healthy he was, maybe there was more to it. You never know those kind of things, right? Yeah. But uh, how much is this really going to stunt his growth? It's, it's it's hard to say, Brent, because we haven't seen a lot of this. I mean, what I'm asking you is, is it a bit of a play to, and I don't mind it as a defense mechanism, it might be reality, but is it more of, this is how I'm defending, I'm wanting Minshew in, because that's going to stunt his growth. I mean, he played eight, nine games in, in his rookie year, more than he ever thought he'd see, got some good experience, some bad experience. If he comes back in in 2020, wins the job, is the guy moving forward? And is that going? Is this five, six, seven weeks going to make a difference in his career? I don't know if I can get there. I look at it from this perspective, and listen, I was all aboard the Foles train during you know the free agency and everything, and they're trying to find a quarterback. And I said I thought Nick Foles gave you the best chance to win. So I was all about the Jaguars getting Nick Foles. I didn't want Dwayne Haskins. Um, I wanted a Super Bowl MVP. Okay. And listen, I've, I've given Nick Foles stats before during those seasons at the Eagles, and they don't really knock your socks off, okay? No. But something you couldn't see, uh, obviously, is the leadership that he presumes, we assume, in, in Philadelphia because all the players said he was a great leader, and he led him to the Super Bowl. Good, good on him. But, like, let's take Joe Flacco, for example, real quick, in Denver right now. Joe Flacco, another Super Bowl MVP, mm-hmm. goes to Denver, mm-hmm. and he gets hurt. They decide to deactivate him for the season, and now he's done. Do you mean to tell me if Joe Flacco was healthy this year, uh, you know, these last four or five games, that he would have came back and started over even – who's the quarterback right now? Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen? I, I don't think so. I think eventually you see the writing on the wall, and I get it. Brandon Allen's like a three-year vet right now. But I think they're still intrigued by Brandon Allen as opposed to Joe Flacco, who kind of showed you what he had. Now, they were in a little bit different place. Well, and I'm getting to that. So the difference is the fact that Foles has been hurt. Right, yeah. Foles has been out, and you don't really know what you got. I'm saying win-loss rise, they were in okay. a different place, too. I got you. Um, I guess my point is the fact that with Foles getting hurt, you don't really know what you had. All we have to go off of right now, and take the Kansas City game out of it. Good, he had one good pass, but okay. I yeah. mean, well, he had 10 plays, so there's no okay. much to go on. I, exactly. Good but, or bad. Okay, but like, I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, Brent, because if I wanted to, I could say, well, that was a loss for him against Kansas City. Oh, like, it, fine, it, yeah. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say he's lost two games so far. He's 0-2 right now as the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. And these are against defenses, to be fair, that they're passing defense? Yeah. No. I mean, is that, is Indianapolis is horrible, man. I'm sorry. They had both their starting corners out the second half of that game. They're not that good. And Tennessee... They're middle of the pack. Like He's not going against elite defenses here. But people want to bring up the point, well, Minshew didn't play against anybody either. Well, I don't think Foles really played against that elite defense either, but whatever the reason is. So I guess my point is the fact that, once again, there's nothing to gain this season. Okay? Like, the playoffs are done. I just don't understand why you wouldn't keep on putting Minshew out there to at least see what he's got. Because I'll tell you what, if you want a quarterback battle next year, which you're probably going to get, obviously, the last thing you want is Nick Foles keep on coming out here and having bad game after bad game after bad game because let's assume that Minshew does win the starting quarterback position next year. Do you think any team's going to want to trade for Nick Foles after watching these past two games? I, I wouldn't trade for Nick Foles. Probably not. Let's go to Michelle on the line from Ohio, actually. Big game this week. Ohio State at Michigan. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow with Jason Fitz. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Great. Thank you. Before I get my time, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you too. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you watching from Ohio on the stream, too. Thank you. Yeah, well, my name's Ruby James on there. So, but, 
My comment is I am ready for next season. Let's just clean the front house already, start thinking about next season. And I've got an idea for a coach next year. If we let to say if Doug gets fired and some reason Ron Rivera gets fired from the Panthers, which I've been hearing rumors about, I say we go get Ron, Ron Rivera for next year. All right. I uh, appreciate the comment. Thanks, Michelle. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and thanks for uh, watching on the stream from Ohio. Appreciate it. Uh, well, that'll be, you know, we're not there yet in terms of who's replacing this staff. Let's let it happen. But uh, interesting comment on, on if Ron Rivera and they kind of move on from him. He's in a similar situation, I think, as some of these guys that have done stuff. But what have you done for me lately? Mm. And are we going to move on and hit the reset button? Some of, you know, Marvin Lewis, they played with that for a long time and held on, you know, but again, I think the Tomlins and Hardballs were also in that situation a little bit, kind of what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. And they stuck with it and and now it's working out. So again, two different ways to look at it. So I, I think. I think it's all coming in terms of the staff. I, I think it's inevitable almost at this point. But let's circle back on on Foles and Minshew. I I do want. I don't think Min, Foles looks good. I don't think I. You know my overall thought of watching the Jaguars play with Foles rather than Minshew. What's that? Is they look slow. Hmm. Like it feels like a slow offense. It feel, like with Minshew, I don't know. And again, this could be total perception. Like I don't think like people's forty times didn't slow down on the receivers. You know, yeah. it just looks one. First of all, Minshew was getting them up and down the field. They were struggling to get in the end zone a lot, but they were going up and down the field. And I think because of his legs and moving. It made it feel like there was stuff going on. It looked so methodical. The ball's floating, you know. The the little pa- it was an, it's a nice touch pass here or there sometimes from Foles, but that thing's just hanging up in the air on those screen passes or when he has to get rid of it and dump it. Like nothing is fast. Nothing. He's ball, the balls look like they're underthrown, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, uh, he was questioned about his arm strength a little bit yesterday from Doug Marone and Foles. They say no, but there are times where it's like, wait a minute. Now, that doesn't look like he's zipping it in there. And there are other times where it has some zip. But overall, my feeling just watching it is, man, they look so much slower. It just looks old and lethargic and, and whatever, where it didn't look like. And I think that's the point of a lot of people. So like they're not saying that, that Gardner Minshew is uh, – you know, going to win five Super Bowl MVPs in his career. Not yet. Maybe they hope, but they're not saying that. I think they're just saying it was so much more fun to watch. Even scoring three points was more fun than watching 13 points with Foles offense (laughs) in a strange way. And I understand their point. You know, I get I get that side of it. I do think once I, I said this before the whole when we talked about this for a few weeks before they push a button on Foles. I said, if Minshew, remember, everything for me hinged on that Houston game. If they had won, I thought they would have stuck with Minshew for another week. Because my my thought was, once you make the Foles button and you push that button, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that. I don't think they can go back. They, they, they made this guy their franchise quarterback from the offseason on. And they said, hey, you were hurt, but we need you. We're going to lean on you. We think you're the best man for the job coming back. They are not going to change that. Now, Doug Marone talked a little bit about it today. Could they eventually go back to Minshew, you know, as we kind of hinted maybe in the last game or yeah. something like that? I think he left that door open. But they feel like, now I think they're just saying this, they feel like their best chance to win is with Foles. I think it's more than that. I think it's the semantics of it all and saying, we made this decision, we're sticking with it. And whether he wasn't ready, whether he's more rusty than we thought, whether all those things are in play, we're sticking with it. We made our bet and we're sticking with it. And so I, I think that's the way it's going. 
I also, I, I don't know if I would pull the trigger on it right now and go back to Minshew either. I think I would probably wait another game or so. I, this well, thing is done. I mean, it, it's done either way. But I think the almost, you know, as much as people want to find out about Minshew, They've got $88 million invested in Foles. I need to find a little bit more out about Nick Foles, too. All right, well, let me ask you this, then. Let's say Nick Foles comes out against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has another bad game three, three games in a row. Then you, you're going against a defense that's ranked number right now 31st in pass defense. Mm. The Titans were ranked number 24 in pass defense, mm. and the Colts are number 17. Mm. So if Nick Foles comes out this Sunday and plays horrible again, can you justify putting him out there for another week, or is it time to go back to Minshew? Yeah, it probably would be time to go back. So I guess that even maybe defutes a little bit of what I said. I, yeah. I just think you got to find a little something that you have. Uh, I, I have another thought on Foles. And I'm, I don't want to give him an out here because I don't think he's playing well. But is it as bad as we're all making it out to be? Or does everybody have the Minshew agenda? And if you're a new coach coming in, if you're a new coach coming in, who are you going with as you look at 2020, Minshew or Foles? Let's answer that next on ESPN 690. Everyone at the front office needs to go, and I'm going to say everyone who's coaching this team needs to go. It's like we don't even prepare for a team each week. Marone needs to go. I want. I even want DeFilippo out. I want Walsh out. I want everyone out. Coughlin, Pablo, get them all out. Whole new staff next season, whole new front office. Minshew starting next season. Draft a defensive tackle. Draft a linebacker. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe we get full $88 million. I will never get over that. Uh, that's the call on Star Star 690, leaving a message. And, uh, that guy's of, defeated, man. Listen, defeated, He's but defeated. also with answers. See, I like that. I like that. He not only said, okay, fire everybody, which is what everybody says, because that's the easiest thing to do, and it makes us all feel better if everybody loses their job, right? Uh, I yes. mean, yeah, well, okay. I mean, for me personally, I don't want to see guys get. I mean, I've been fired. It's not fun from I that stuff. But I'm not saying you. Just, but okay. I'm saying we in society. It make the best thing that could happen tomorrow, uh, yesterday after that game. Yeah. The thing that would make you smile more at the water cooler is if the entire coaching staff stayed in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far just as I'm concerned, it's, it's a performance-based business, and the Jaguars are not performing. Yeah, Simple but I like I like that calls. He had some answers, right? He said in terms of drafting some folks and, and you know, what, what maybe to do. So, uh, and everybody's got ideas. Uh, you know, even before the football game yesterday, I was talking to people all weekend long, and everybody's got the fix, a different fix. It's amazing, which shows you how hard it is, I think, at times. And then also shows you, I think it there's a feel around here for me that they have some decent players on this football team, that they have some talent we've talked about it multiple times but then there are games like these last three weeks and you're like holy cow maybe i'm dead wrong maybe they got maybe they have nobody that's good maybe they're yeah. just not good because again i am trying to find a player that stood out other than uh, leonard fournette was good a couple weeks ago it was dj chark i mean we're talking about a couple of players here or there that is it i was Rambo. looking <laughs> the punter has been very good logan cook yeah i was probably i've cook. been waiting for I, I said it yesterday, uh, Friday, I think it was. What will give this team a spark? Still didn't notice number 44 on the field. No. But, and Still I, didn't and, notice. Him. And I said the defensive line, and no, defensive line once again. I mean, yeah, Jan had a strip sack. Yeah, that was a big Hashtag play. Hashtag pay Jan. You know, that, I mean, that was a big here play. Here we are again. But um, I'm not going to talk about that because I've been talking about that since nauseam. But I guess, <clears throat> look at, like, I guess the most frustrating thing for me, and I'm talking from a defensive perspective here. The Houston game, where they gave all that rushing, 
Okay, Houston's a dynamic, and I'm not trying to give him an excuse here, but Houston's a very dynamic offense when they're clicking. Now, sometimes they don't click. They clicked against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they can be dynamic. So are they going to run? Are they going to pass? I get that. But to go to, to travel to Indy, where you know exactly what they're going to do, they're, they're going to use their offensive line and pound the rock with Marlon Mack or Williams then who came in. And you knew what the case was in Tennessee, too. And, yeah, with Ryan Tannehill, maybe they opened the play action up a little bit, and that was great. Corey Davis was back, yada, yada, yada. BS. They were going to run the ball, and you knew that. And the worst part is you knew it, and you couldn't stop it. I guarantee Todd Wash was, you know, in, in those meetings saying, we got to stop Derrick Henry. we got to stop Derrick Henry. And you know what, Brent? They couldn't do it. So, the, to me, that's the frustrating part is when you know a team's going to do something and you still can't stop it. So now, here's the question. Is it a talent thing? Or do they still, do they have pieces that they can use going forward? And listen, we're talking about, especially the defensive line, you're talking about Avery Jones. I mean, Avery Jones, I think, is still a pretty young guy, all things considered. I get like he's the, the oldest bedded Jaguar. But what they're asking him to do, I think he still deserves to stick around. I think the biggest part right now is Clayus Campbell. Um, Clayus Campbell yesterday, I thought he looked a little slow. I'll be honest with you. And this is the Clayus Campbell that's playing his big end spot. This is the guy who's back at home where he belongs. Not playing that three technique. I'm talking about playing that big end spot. And yesterday, I saw Clayus Campbell bite on two bootlegs, and Tannehill scored on the one. Another one was a pretty long game. So... Yeah, I, 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 th- I think you have a good guy in Josh Allen, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's crucial. I mean, it is absolutely crucial. And I'll say it again. Here we are at Nauseam again. You have to pay Yannick Ngakwe. You, you have to lock him up for the future because going forward now, assuming this whole defense gets blown up and a new philosophy comes in, you at least need some old parts from the old regime to stick around. And Yannick Ngakwe has to be one of those guys. He is a guy that continued. That was a big play at the moment. It was 7-3. to three. They were in the red zone. That was a big play at the moment. So mm-hmm. he made a huge play and then obviously flipped off the Titans. That wasn't a good moment. But uh, I call that passion, Brent. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, kidding. honestly, I don't have a problem with it, but there's no... There's nothing nice to say about that. No, you can't do that. Not a good look. Uh, what are the Jaguars going to realize from the Ramsey incident to that? That there are cameras in the NFL and a lot of them. Okay? <laughs> there are a lot, they watch everything. Big Brother's watching. Brent, I'm going to be honest. I know you don't care in that well, moment. I wouldn't yeah, either. We're, we're getting beat that bad. Honestly, I wouldn't either. I don't think you care anymore. I, I get it. I, you get to that point where you don't care. I get yeah. it. I, 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 believe me, I understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you've done anything, play, there's a time when you just don't care who's watching whatever, even if you know you're in the spotlight. Sure. And, and you sometimes get to that point. And so I get it. I get a little bit of that. Uh, Brandon's on the line. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks for listening. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan. Um, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but um, Doug Marone and the whole staff, it's just got to be all replaced. They've done too much, too many things that I think anywhere else they would have been fired last year. I mean, 2017 bought them some time. But if you look at 2017 also, there was the same stuff, like games where they didn't show up, Arizona, San Francisco. And was that more, that 10-6 and six record, was that more because Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck were hurt? I mean, yeah, once they got in the playoffs, they did some really good things. And I honestly, like everyone knows, like the Jags should have won that game. Like they got, they got hosed. But they have just too many mistakes, like from the Allen Robinson situation, you know, signing Marquise Lee, letting Al Robinson go, and ever since Lee got re-signed, we haven't seen him. The whole Bortles situation, giving him, you know, that big deal, and then now that, that screwed the cap up. And then now with this Nick Foles thing, it looks like it looks like that's going to 
heard our cap going for it, and it doesn't look like he's going to be our starter. So that's going to set us back even more. You re-sign Miles Jack, which I think he's good. I mean, he's had a bad year, but, I mean, I think Yon and Ramsey should have been the priority there. I mean, trading Ramsey. I mean, he wasn't going to play, so they had to trade him. But it was their fault it got to that situation in the first place. Right. And then Marone, oh, go ahead, Marone, go ahead. Wash. I mean, Wash, he should have been fired. He shouldn't even have been left over from the Bradley era. I mean, his defense has just been underwhelming. It seems like he runs the same schemes over and over. I mean, our team's always the most the most penalized, you know, after after – after the whistle, always, you know, getting in fights, you know, 15-yard penalties are like a regular thing. It's just, like, I've been a Jag fan my whole life, and this is as most frustrating as any other year. I mean, we've had some bad years, but we have the talent right now. We have talent on offense. We have talent on defense. It's just, it seems like we're wasting away all this talent. And we still don't have Ngakwe resigned. I mean, he's a, he's a cornerstone player. I mean, you're going to draft these good players. You shouldn't just let them, you know, get away. I mean. Did we lose him there? Uh, all right, Brendan. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, man. Uh, I think we lost you somehow in there. But uh, he brought, obviously, he brings up a lot of things about the coach staff. Here's the thing. I think if you, me- I think you got to measure it against other teams, right? Against other, other, people and i i watched san francisco play last night and so everybody who who says something about the todd wash gus bradley scheme i watched gus bradley and the chargers absolutely shut down your guy aaron Rodgers from wisconsin my guy he's just from wisconsin he's wisconsin guy. he's from green california bay. but yeah, yeah he plays for green bay, he's green bay. But okay i just want you right. to say something bad about Rodgers, so all the people so in wisconsin get, people get upset about yeah, me they, they just want to throw snowballs well, at you when you, you go what? home for christmas i picked the 49ers in the in the six pack and that panned out pretty yeah, well for me did. Thanks, thanks a lot Rodgers. yeah thanks you a lot stink yep uh, by the way, uh, anyway, so they shut him down and then San Francisco shuts him down. Right. Yeah. And it's the same scheme. Right. I mean, they're not. It, it, it's a it's a similar scheme. And you have mail coups. Uh, the. So it takes good players, so good players. Well, then that goes back to the front office. Does it take good coaching coach? Are they being coached up better in those spots? Well, then that does go back to Todd Wash. You know, all those things. Now, the Jaguars are getting exposed with some of these young guys because A.J. Boye brought it up yesterday after the game. He said, listen, we're, we see these plays in practice, and we're in the right spot. We get out here, and I'm looking over there, and the guy's not there. I've sure. got to believe he's talking about either Quincy Williams, Wingard, or Trey Herndon. I mean, that's it has to be who he's talking about. Yeah. And those are just young guys. But I'm not even saying that's an excuse. I mean, they got to be coached up to play in the right spot or they shouldn't be playing. Yeah. And if there are incidents like that, they shouldn't be playing on Sundays in the NFL until they figure it out. So that goes back to coaching. I agree. I mean, again, this one, this last three weeks, if you take it in totality, who they played against, what they did, what was on the line, what they did not fix – it does go back to coaching. So all you folks that have said coaching, coaching, coaching since day one, I'm with you. I mean, I get this is on them. This is now on them. This is on the whole philosophy of Doug Marone, as I said at the top of the show, mm. was, hey, we're going to take care of you guys this year. I'm going to go tell that other guy down the hallway who loves to play a lot of people in the preseason, who loves to go to two-a-days if, if we could do two-a-days still, I'm gonna say, who loves to say the word grit, I'm going to say, hey, these guys need to be ready to go for later in the year. They need to do – I'm going to take care of you. 
Yeah. Well, he took care of him to four and four, and I'm going to hope you guys respond. Well, he didn't respond. You know what? Well, that falls back on the guy who tried to take care of him with that philosophy, and Marone's plan backfired. And that's where we're at. It's as simple as that. This month showed that. And the biggest thing for me, if you watch the San Francisco 49ers last night, it was the fundamentals. Like, the defensive line was where they're supposed to be. They had great steps, good hand placement. Like, it, it's nothing. This isn't rocket science here to how to stop the run, Brent. But once again, what are we talking about? How many times did I bring up, even in training camp, that Taven Bryan's got to work on his steps? Okay? Well, yeah, the, yeah. well, the, the, that 70-yard run, a lot of it had to do with Taven Bryan. Did. Now, I don't know, because honestly... They got a good push on so, that play. I was so baffled on that play, I didn't know if Taven Bryan was taking a pirate step in and going to the A-gap, and Miles Jack was supposed to go off him and go to the B. That's what it looked like, because he got reached so bad. I don't think that was the case, because Miles Jack didn't even back him up. So, from that standpoint, it falls on Taven Bryan on that long run for uh, Derrick Henry. Once again, that just comes down to footwork. All right, it's, we're not reinventing the wheel here. It's, we're talking about proper footwork, proper hand placement. We didn't see it there. Uh, the Clayus Campbell that touched on with Ryan Tannehill, did, he, was, he didn't look in the backfield. Like he was literally, he, he saw the tight end going down, didn't feel it, and just read the run. Once again, fundamentals, basic stuff. And these guys wanna, are pressing in those spots, I think, are. right? Well, because they're, they're, they're trying, they're to, make trying to make the plays. And they said the one thing you can't do is press. Exactly. That's what they're doing. They're, 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 they're trying to be too much of an athlete and, right. not, and not so much of a robot, That's right? right. A little bit. All the time. It's a healthy balance of that. And then we're talking about the offensive line here. The drive killers, the penalties. How many times have I said, you guys got to slow it down and you have to work on your fundamentals on the offensive line? Do the proper hand placement. Do the proper recovery steps where if you get beat a little bit, how to recover properly so you don't get a holding call. But here we are again talking about holding calls, kill the drives, right? It's the, it's the same thing week in and week out. We have George on the line just a moment. I got to get a thought in on Folzo because I teased it and I want to talk about it for a second. I'm not go- this isn't a necessary a defense mechanism for him. This is reality. The Jaguars had a good drive going, holding call by Linder. That was a scoring drive of some kind. They had another good run by Fournette into scoring territory, holding by Linder. Another scoring drive of some kind. That's at least three points and three points. They had a ball down to Conley that should have been caught. They had a ball down to the four-yard line to DJ Chark should have been caught. If they make those plays like that NFL players make, mm-hmm. that plays that are supposed to be made, and I know all the ownership right now is on Foles because, well, that's what it is. It's quarterbacks, and there's a lot of people out there that want to see Minshew. I get it. But the reality is those four plays are very makeable plays in the NFL. Don't hold and catch the ball. And if they make those, we might be talking about a totally different football game. Disregard the third quarter for a moment because these things happened in the first half. It was 7-3 to three at halftime, right? 7-3. Yeah. to three. So, I, again, I'm not sitting here making this big defense and saying Foles should be the guy. But that's reality. These guys didn't make plays on a couple of plays that Foles, well, did he put it in the perfect spot? You know, we can talk about that. They should have been made is my point. This is also reality, though, too. I saw those same drops with Garner Minshew. I saw the Tennessee Titans game Thursday night where he had a, a probably the best ball we've seen all year to D.D. Westbrook. And D.D. just dropped the ball outright. And yeah. that cost him a touchdown. But I saw D.J. Chark make a lot of plays for Well, oh, Minshew. Yeah, okay, but point be taken – both quarterbacks, when they're in there, the receivers haven't necessarily yeah. helped them out so much. You no, know what I mean? It. And I get it. It's, it's four plays that could result in scoring drives. And I understand that, Brent. But at the same time, Minshew had the same thing. Yeah, this isn't a comp to Minshew. This is a point right now. Foles is under the microscope for having three points at halftime. Yeah. There's no doubt they should have had more than three points at halftime. That had nothing to do with Foles. And, guy, by the way, this is a guy that's sitting here saying Foles looks slow. It looks clunky. It looks rusty. It doesn't look right. But in the first half... He actually put them in a position, along with Fournette and that offensive line, the play calling of DeFilippo, 
to be way more successful than three points at halftime. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't turn out. Could have changed at least the complexion of the game, how teams play that football game. All right, George, been hanging a long time. Appreciate you hanging, George. Uh, what you got on the Foles front? Hey, guys. Um, love the show, man. Uh, big believer in you guys. I love listening to you. Um, Thanks, man. Thank I, you, dude. I, I think, Brent, you nailed it for me a couple of a few minutes ago. When, when you said, you know, it just seems like he's slow or it's slow, like the game is slowed down. And i, I got to tell you, there's nothing – the only thing more depressing than watching my Jags lose is listening to Foles at a news conference or a press conference because he's just so – I don't know, man. He just makes it seem so irrelevant, like it doesn't even matter. And I get it. If that's his culture, his personal thing, and it's like football is, you know – Faith uh, family football in that order. That's cool. But, man, you're a professional. The thing I loved about Minshew is win or lose, he was fire. And and what I've noticed, and I've watched carefully, and I am a big Minshew guy. I love this guy. But I, I just feel like the team really embraced him, and they made natural connections. Like his, his connections to Chark, totally natural, not forced, not pressed. I watch Foles. He's desperate to make a connection to Connolly, and I love Connolly. I just don't see it happening right now. And it just feels like the entire the D line, the O line, and everybody's saying fire coaches and do this. Honestly, man, I played sports my whole college life, high school, the whole deal. Our quarterback and and our center made all the difference in the world. And I just think that you know these guys when they're interviewed about Foles and they say yes, he's a great leader. They almost sound robotic, like, and I know they've got to say what they've got to say. But when they asked them back in the day about uh, Minshew, man, they lit up and they were laughing. And, I mean, it was, it was just a whole different culture. I think now, at this point in the season, to start talking about how losses are good because they build character and we should go home and love our wives, that's not what we need, man. That's it. Thanks, bro. Hey, Thank George. Appreciate it, man. Uh, really good call. Really good comments. I, so, I think you nailed a lot of different things on that. That feel, that vibe from the fans of Minshew. I think he's George is spot on with that, and I, I can't dispute that at all. I mean, I think he he nailed that part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest takeaway that I got was it's the press conference after the game, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's Foles kind of putting on this. Well, you know what? Like I, the bright side is we got our families to go home to, and we're building this culture. We're building this culture. Can you hold the rest of this thought? Let's go to a break. Okay. And then we'll wow. get it on the other side. Okay, let's get it. Well, because you're gonna deep dive here in a minute. I got a feeling. Well, because I'm going there too. I All think right. that that turns people off. Me, me going to break turns people off. Or no, what? No, you deep, you, <laughs> no, you deep diving. Oh, it turns, it turns people off. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Foles' press conference is really oh, I know. It was, it was, it was C. Yeah. Not A, B, and, or C. It was C. And listen, and I'm going to say, I know it turns people off, but I'm going to explain why it may not be as big a deal as you think it is. Well, and I wanted your perspective on this from a player's point of view. And again, this goes back to last week's conversation. Mm-hmm. This is what I was getting at with the disconnect. You follow me a little bit more after this week? Because people want to turn the volume down on Foles while he's preaching. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. That is the tough part. And I think that you can't live life out of fear. You can't live of fear of losing your job, fear of what people are going to say. I mean, we're ultimately in a, in a game in the limelight where we're going to be criticized. You, you do really well, you're going to be praised. You're really bad. You're going to be ridiculed. That's part of it. That's why I always try to tell young players, don't read the articles. And that's, once again, nothing against y'all. This That is your job. Just like my job is to continue to help this team and continue to build this character. Well, that's Nick Foles after the game saying things that nobody wants to hear. 
<laughs> I'm just being honest. Listen, I mean, he, CEO he knows of it. the Sunshine and Rainbows Club. He knows it. Uh, and, and again, this goes back to he's got to do what's good for him. And in that locker room, you got five games to go. You're professional. There's a lot of stuff going on here. But on the postgame show yesterday, when I heard that live, my initial reaction was like, Nick, I've been around here 11, 12 years, and only one time yeah. has all that talk and all that building and all that culture and all that whatever worked into W's or even any kind of fun in the month of December. Forget about W's and playoff runs. How about just some fun in December? Yeah. Like, hey, we're in it. So... So I get where the fans are coming from. I mean, to me, it goes all the way back to what I was saying. For Nick Foles, this is brand new. This is the start of a journey here in Jacksonville. The journey's 25 freaking seasons old here in Jacksonville with the fans. And for the younger fans, they don't remember 1995 through 1999. <laughs> so they... they that That is deaf ears for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I talk about the disconnect... I think Foles has to do what he has to do, and and if he and I know he believes it because he wouldn't stand up in front of a microphone and say that. I give him credit for that because mm-hmm. you know the daggers are coming. I mean, I can only imagine what the press looked like, <laughs> looking like the eyes that he was getting coming back because they are all thinking, "Oh my gosh, wait until the fans say they hear this." Yeah. Uh, you're going to give us some more insight on on that. Uh, we welcome in John Bachman as well. He does throw in once in a while. I know you guys don't want to hear that. Losing sucks. All those things. He t- he tries to at least reach out a little olive branch to people. Be like, listen, I know you're not going to take this all in. I get it. It's awful. We don't want to do it. But then he spins it back to what he believes. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm like breaking down a sermon yeah. on Nick Foles every couple of weeks. And that's a dangerous thing to do. I'm not trying to bring religion into it at all. But I'm trying to get to a place where this makes sense for him and the people in that locker room as he continues to view himself as the leader of this football team. Undoubtedly, he's not looking at Gardner Minshew as the maybe quarterback of next year. He's looking at himself as the quarterback for the remainder of five games and into next year, regardless of regime. Where's he coming from? You've been in the locker room. What would you be saying? Are you buying into it? I mean, how? Because I'll tell you what else. Leonard Fournette. Similar conversation yesterday. It comes off a little bit different, but it's a similar conversation yesterday. Now, was he just happy because he had two touchdowns and 150 yards? That does happen in the NFL. And to be fair, I think fans appreciated Leonard Fournette's comments more than Nick Foles, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Probably think so. because he had two touchdowns and 150 yards, though, too. Well, that's true. something to do with it. That's true. And, and, and Fournette's working off a sign of immaturity from last year and continued growth from this year. Mm-hmm. And we're giving him a lot of credit for that. And we should. So it's just a totally different perspective. And there isn't another running back that people would rather see right now other than Fournette. <laughs> They're not calling for Raquel Armstead yeah. like people are calling for Minshew. And I think that's where you got to check yourself a little bit. I get it. I get people want Minshew. That's fine. But how much of the angst toward Foles in these two games is because you want Minshew more so than what's actually happening with Foles and allowing him to kind of get back in, even though the Jaguars don't have time for it. I mean, I understand that. They don't have time to let him get back in. They needed him to play well right away, and it's not happening. But I do think it's fair to wonder, okay, how much of this is angling toward, we want Minshew, this guy sucks, it doesn't matter what he does, this guy sucks. Okay. So, yeah, I hear you. Do you want me to kind of get into the whole 
What I think about Foles then? Yeah. The, okay. Well, yeah, you were deep diving before the break, so yeah. we had to take a time out and get ready for it. We're, yeah, exactly. Maybe we get your scuba diving equipment ready because I'm about to go in. No. Um, when we're breaking down this Nick Foles press conference, you have to ask yourself one thing, and this is where I'm at with it. Do you think that's who he really is coming across at the press conference? Is he being 100% genuine, or is he kind of putting on a facade for the media? And this is the reason why I asked that question. Because I've been on those losing teams, all right? I've been on teams where we've got our butts kicked. And on those teams, we had fantastic leadership, though. We had the Daryl Smiths. We had the Puzzes. Uh, I got the chance to talk with Lance Briggs, who was one of the best people I ever played with. Yeah, um, Chicago. Pe- Peanut Tillman, Charles Tillman, another classic example, Eric Berry. These are all fantastic leaders and captains. And the reason why I'm asking if Nick Foles is being genuine or not if I'm sitting in that locker room after that Titans game, and we just got our butts kicked, embarrassed at, on the 4 o'clock slot, national television, absolutely embarrassed in every aspect of the game, if Nick Foles comes into that locker room and tries to talk to me like he did to the press con- like at that press conference, I would, I would just say, get away from me, dude. I, I'm not trying to hear it right now. I respect you, but I'm not trying to hear that. So it leads me to believe that I don't think there's a disconnect right now in the locker room. So it leads me to believe what Nick Foles is displaying in front of the cameras for everybody isn't necessarily what he's displaying in the locker room. Because if he was displaying that type of stuff in the locker room, I guarantee there would be at least four or five guys who would have enough of it and just said, I'm out. And the fact that we haven't heard anything from that yet leads me to believe that that's not how it is in the locker room. So that's why I'm not necessarily too worried about it yet. Because we haven't heard anything from the players. And listen, I'm not trying to harp on Nick Foles here for what he's saying in the press conference. Like, I get it. That's who you are. And I'm taking the faith out of it, man. Like, it's awesome that you're a man of faith, and that's fantastic. Um, more power to you. It's great that you believe in something that, you know, powerful. Fantastic. Just the way he comes across, though, is like, you know what? It's not that big a deal. Like, there's bigger things at stake. That's what he's displaying towards the fans, and that's why fans are so upset, because the fans want him to take responsibility. The, the fans want him to show emotion and be like, you know what, this sucks. But Foles is trying to persuade, like, you know what, it's bigger than football. It's okay. If he's doing that in the locker room, it's not going to fly. Yeah. So that's why I think it's kind of just a facade. And let me add to this. You know, I don't even know if it's the bigger than football that fans are, are right now upset about. Yeah. It's the time is now, not we don't have three Mm. years to fix it. What Nick Foles does sound like, and this is hard not to say this because it's what it sounds like, is I just got here. I signed a four-year contract. We're going to get this right. We're building something here. These are tough times, and we're going to be – holy crap, man. We've lived through that a bunch around here. I mean, we had to see the worst football roster ever assembled in 2013 and 14 just to get to 15 and 16, which wasn't much better. Mm-hmm. So the fans don't want to hear that. And quite frankly, if I'm a player, to your point of view, I'll do $15 million next year. I ain't going to get it if we wait until three years down the road to win. See, that's, You know what I mean? Yeah, and then that's why I'm saying I think he's different in the locker room. You have to be. You know, like, so what is Puzz, he in the locker room? What do you mean? Like, I, well, I, I think different? he's holding guys account. I think he's saying, listen, I got to play better. We're not playing good. We suck, basically. Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. Because, listen, like, Puzz. But I don't want to throw anybody uh, out let me in front ask of this. Why, why would he feel the need to say what he's saying publicly and not say more or less what he's saying because in the every, locker room? Because every face of the franchise does that. I mean, maybe 
Baker Mayfield doesn't do that, but that's not true. From, I would from say the that guys most that, guys come out there and go, dude, look, we, we need to get better, blah, blah, blah. Let's take Puzz, for example. Puzz yeah. always had the vanilla, like, hey, listen, it, it falls yeah. on defense, we have to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lance Briggs did the same thing. Peanut Tillman did the same thing. Like, But guess what? Behind closed doors, even the quiet Daryl Smith, who hadn't hardly ever said a word, behind closed doors, like, guys, we, we got, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we, choice we, we, words. Yeah, choice words. And yeah. they all said them. So, I get, I, think, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, I get what you're saying. And, and, and you don't want to come across but, like you're pushing someone, throwing people yeah. under the bus. But but to be fair to John's point, though, it's like Foles is taking to the, the, the nth degree, right? It's almost like Foles is doing these press conferences knowing, you know what? They're going to get retweeted and, like, you know, some motivational speakers are going to use these things and, like, I'm going to cut from it. Not saying that's what he's doing because he's not, but no. that, that, that's, that's what it seems like, though, right? So... I get what you're saying where he's doing it like to the nth degree, but I just think that's kind of his personality and being a man of faith. I think, and I'm not trying to, once again, not harking on religion whatsoever, but I think being a man of faith sometimes is that you can push it to the nth degree a little bit and that's what's happening. But I think in the locker room, He's a different guy. Do you think he's ripping some people in the locker room, or it's more just like a, a people accountable? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're the general at offense, and if you're not ripping anybody, then what are you doing? So I, I truly think he is, because if you're not ripping anybody... And if you are given this whole spiel about, hey, the culture, the culture, culture, the guys in the locker room don't want to hear that. Avery Jones, who's been there longer than anybody, doesn't want to hear you talk about that. And I don't know, like, I mean, I'm pretty good friends with Avery, but I just know the last thing they want to hear is the rah-rah speech, especially after you get beat by Tennessee. Yeah, John gives us that speech every day when he's got off the air. <laughs> Is that true, wow. John? Uh, that true, John? I, Here's why my mind goes on the. And again, when you say when somebody like uh, uh, Nick Foles it, talks from a religious point of view, a faith-based point of view, I think of most recently players like Tebow, mm-hmm. and I think uh, most re- and, and Tebow was so uh, platform-based, more so trying to spread the message, in my opinion, worldwide had a huge platform because yeah. he had a, such a big following. I don't really view it that. I, I think Foles is who he is and comfortable who he is right now at this point of his career. And I also believe the guy wants to win. You don't get to this point and say, I don't want to win. You know, that's not what it is. He's trying to buy patience and be patient from a pro- – this might make himself feel better, by the way, mm-hmm. to say it like this, to say, listen, don't lose it here. Don't lose – you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a, a mechanism for himself. But then I think of a guy like Russell Wilson – because Russell Wilson is a lot like those guys in terms of his faith. Dude, Not afraid in front of a Rishi microphone Mathis. to say. Rishi Mathis yeah. is a perfect example. But I'm thinking like Russell Wilson has this platform that's huge across the NFL. The interesting thing about Russell Wilson is he really hasn't faced much adversity. You know? Yeah. So from this kind of standpoint, this is so unique in that sense where you just lost three games that would have make or break your season I don't remember a time where the Seahawks have been in that. I think I think I just saw a stat where Russell Wilson's the first quarterback ever in the 100-year history of the league to have a winning record in his first eight NFL seasons. So he hasn't put that kind of talk and that kind of perspective in front of the fan base of Seattle or the NFL for people to either be like, what are you talking about, or not. Mm-hmm. you know. And now he won't ever have because he's got such an equity built up problem with Foles right now is, again, Minshew is sitting behind him, and there's a big part of this fan base that would like to see Minshew. And the other part is there's not a lot of equity built up here in Jacksonville. There's yeah. two two games well, and a quarter of football, and that's about it. And an $88 million check, that's not really equity with yeah. the fan base, you know what I mean, in terms of who you're talking to in front of Ultimately, that's mic. where it yeah. gets to, in my opinion, ultimately, that's where the frustrations lie, right? I mean, he was brought in 
we all were told he was brought in to win and win now because yeah. we've assembled this pretty good team of players around him and he's got a lot of money in the bank and he's the Super Bowl MVP and we're going to get it done right away. And so that's the, and then he's on you know who knows what happens if he doesn't break his shoulder but or, you know he broke his shoulder and uh he's out and now he's got to start over and you know maybe this is feeling a lot more like preseason for him or whatever the case is and you've got uh, you know you got to reset and that's what he and that's kind of what I think he's trying to, like to to Austin's point, I guess, trying to reset all of our expectations, which is tough to do, as you said, because he hasn't lived through the frustrations that so many fans have for, for a decade plus. And yeah. here's the thing about it, being a former player here, the player's perspective, you're 0-2 right now as a quarterback. I'm not going to give the Kansas City game. You're 0-2 right now. And the fact that you're a former Super Bowl MVP, when you first got here, that carried a lot of cachet. And, and, and players were willing to follow you because... Yep. They respect the Super Bowl MVP, as they should. But if you come out against Tampa, if you come out against, um, you know, the, the, the other games coming up here, say you lose against Indianapolis again, that, that respect and that cachet, it starts to wear off. And all of a sudden it's like, well, that's cool, but what have you done for me lately? Yeah, yeah, that's and not the guy I'm looking at. Exactly. Right? So, like, right now, and once again, I don't know if, if this is who Nick Foles really is in the press conference. I'm not sure if he's getting on guys in the locker room. Whatever the case is. I think he still has his team right now. The players are still willing to follow him through these hard times. But if you keep underperforming like you're doing, you're going to lose the locker room, man. Because the players, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you say, Brent. They, they want to play for a winner. And two, that's all that matters. Two quick questions around the horn real quick. Uh, if a new coach comes in here, which it looks like it might happen, in January, whoever that is, they've got both these guys on the roster. Who do you think in their mind they're riding with in 2020 when the season starts? And by the way, they're going to say, well, it's an open competition and we got two quarterbacks. We got all this stuff. But everybody comes in here with an idea. You wouldn't take the job if you didn't think, it, especially if you have options, that you say, oh, I got Nick Foles on the roster. I got Minshew on the roster. I got, who do you think they're well, riding Well, it depends because if John D. Filippo's still here, you have to think Nick Foles. Yeah, but but that's a coach's decision. Outside coach, it doesn't mean you have to do. I, I, by, by the way, I'm going with the assumption that this is going to be a clean slate. Okay, so no one's going to be here. No. So okay. It just so then, as far as I'm concerned, then I'm rolling with Minshew because if you're a head coach, you realize that unless you're Mike Malarkey, you have more than one year to make this thing work. And if you want to make it work, and you're trying to build the culture, you're trying to build for the future, you're trying to build, you know, this the Jaguars brand. Well, then you plan for the future by playing Gardner Minshew. Okay, you would if you were the, the coach. Guy. Yes, correct. But you know NFL coaches, and they want to be safe. Well, and it is, is some do, still Brent. the safe play. Some do, and then some don't. They rode with Flacco for a long time until they went to Lamar Jackson. No, and I made hear that, you. But that, we're talking about Kyle Kingsbury also went after uh, Murray when they had Josh Rosen, yeah. a former first-round pick, at their disposal, and they got rid of him. So I think every coach is different. Um, I guess it depends who they bring in. If, if they bring in a, a new school-minded coach, maybe a more offensive-oriented coach, I think you go with Minshew. I think if you bring in kind of the old-school type mentality, maybe defense first, I think you go with Nick Foles. I think it's too early to, to answer that question because we don't know where the Jags are drafting yet. What if they climb up that draft board? What if they make the top you know, 10 they right could, now? They could, yeah, I know. What if they get a little closer to the top spot and then they can go after a, a whole new quarterback? Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. I, I got a hard time yeah. believing they'll unload, do that. You, know, what, what, you could unload Foles? I'm just saying. I mean, well, I, 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 I have a lot to unload because a new coach would start with dead money and all that stuff. So I, it just doesn't shape up that way. Um, I think right now, I think, for, again, you have an eight, nine game sample on, on Minshew. And whatever that tape looks like and everything else, it was some good, some bad, some really good, some really fun, you know. Um, 
but I still think at this stage of it, it, it like if Foles were not to play, that, that's why I think it's better Foles plays. Yeah, because we'll have, another, we'll have another five games and yes, see what he's doing. I think that's important. And at the end of the year, we'll know more. Like, I like think, if I'm Shot yes. Khan and I know I'm making a decision, I'd want more of Foles to Absolutely, play right now. I, I want to see more of this. What did we invest in? First of all, mm. we invested in it. And again, I've told you all along, I don't think it's about money. It's about winning games. But now it's a little bit more about, okay, what's going to happen when we flip the page on the calendar and on this whole thing? And so I need that next guy coming in to have seven recent games of Nick Foles. I think that's an important part of it. But do you know who Nick Foles is as a quarterback more than Gardner Minshew? I would say, yeah, because you do. We, and my point to that is, I know he won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP, yeah, and he also has experience. Numbers, but what were his numbers when he did that? They got W's. That's what it, that's what they care about in the NFL. They, they were run of the mill. His numbers, to be fair, were run of the mill, and. He also had a pretty good team around him that got him there in the first place. Not calling Foles a bad quarterback, but I'm saying I think I have a better idea of what Foles is capable of on a football field than what Garner Minshew is. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. There's been more, there's been eight years of it, or nine yeah. years of it. Yeah, and then there was that one year where he was a pro bowler in Philly with uh, Chip Kelly's offense, and I consider that kind of an outlier year because no one was ready for Chip Kelly's offense, but... People got hit to the game. Yeah, you might be, I guess that's a good point. I mean, you're right. You do have more evidence of it. Do you think this is the Nick Foles, though, what we've saw in the last, seen the last two weeks, or do you think there's some rust that he's knocking off and all that yeah. stuff? That's no, what look, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously I mean, whether we like a, that or not. You yeah. know, I mean, I know we didn't expect it. He right. didn't have time Agreed. for rust. I'm just right. saying, no, sure. is this the Nick Foles? That if they rode with Nick Foles for two more years, is this the Nick Foles we're going to see for it two better years? better not be. Let's put it that no, way. No, I know, yeah, but, but, but that's yeah. a decision you have to make. That's Correct. my point in the next that's, five games. that's why I agree with you you got to play him. That's what I'm saying. So I think that, yes, there might be some rust. Uh, he may be shaking it off still. He is underachieving my expectations for him yeah. right now. Everybody. But something. as far as, like, the boomer bust type of player, like, where is his ceiling? And I, and I don't see his ceiling right now being able to win ball games with a defense that can't have your back and a run game sometimes that falters. Like, I don't think he has the ceiling to do that. Now, I don't know Gardner Minshew's ceiling yet. I've seen glimpses of it, and I've also seen the floor. I've seen the basement of Gardner Minshew. But I know what? I think Gardner Minshew's ceiling right now is higher than Nick Foles. Fair enough. My opinion. What you get coming up tonight, John Bachman? Well, what I mean, it's hard to really get you know, too excited now that you guys are just depressing me so badly. Sorry, man. Listen, Usually I come up here to be uh, distracted. How's Iowa doing? I've done oh, this. How's Hawkeyes looking? Thank you for asking. The Hawkeyes won this weekend. There we go. Yeah. I've done they this for 11 Nebraska out of 12 Friday. years. I know how to put up with this I know, stuff. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> it's just, it's very, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm in a funk today. I really am. I am truly in a funk. And it's, I don't, it's not totally Jags related. It's a Monday, but, you know, it's just, it's. It's like it's the holidays, man. We should be happy. I know. And the Jags oh, are great before Thanksgiving. Stuffing, pumpkin pie. I'm ready to go. I am too. All right. So <laughs> he's real, back. Real quick, quick, I had to say. Real quick. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> beer, food, food. Now you got lots of beer. Like a gentleman needle right to the heart. I see it, man. All right. All right. Because this makes Brent so happy, I'm going to talk music for a second. Let's go. Let's go. Do you know that the Doobie Brothers are coming to Jacksonville next year? Yeah. Was not aware of that. Did you know that Michael McDonald is going to be with the Doobie Brothers? I had heard that, actually. Yeah, buddy. We'll tell you when. I don't care, but I heard about (laughs) it. We'll tell you when on Action News Jackson 5. That's a tease, friends. Love it. It's next year, I'll tell you that much. But you can get your tickets soon, starting soon. All right. Maybe we'll give away tickets for next, like, October. (laughs) No, it's not sooner than that, I think, actually. Um, Also, Christmas trees. Did you see this? Christmas trees cost more this year. You know why? Why? Because of the tw- 2008 recession. What? Yes. Apparently, 
they, and I don't know. This is this is this is what the 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 Christmas tree growers are telling us. I smell conspiracy. I'm just I don't know. I want to investigate okay. this further myself. What but else are they growing? What they're saying is, oh wow. What they're saying? No. In all seriousness, they're saying the 2008 recession because because people apparently didn't buy as many Christmas trees in 08 and 09. Sure. They didn't plant as many trees, and so there is a lower supply. For the trees, because I, you know, I guess ten-year-old trees is about the time it hits. Anywho, trees are costing more this year because they didn't plant as many ten years ago. Brand you buying this? I, I with say you. after the season, I'm, we go knock down some doors and get the real answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm covering the whole thing. I'm going to start planting. I'm covering the whole thing. Exactly. Right, going to business. ESPN six ninety. Start planting. There we go. Yeah. Austin Lane, Action News Jacks. Austin Lane investigates. There we go. That that is, I think we might knock down some doors, man. We send Ben, but I think it might be more intimidating to send. Detective Season 4 coming up. It's like we're Christmas trees. When we need to collect money, we send Austin. We send Austin. <laughs> we want to solve some problems with the city, we send Ben, but we send Austin for anything else. I don't have to worry about that tree shortage because I go with the fake tree. Yeah, same with us, yeah, too. Yeah, I've well. been trying to get on the fake tree so train for a long time. My wife won't My let kids, me. It's a smell, they're all, man. They're, they're all allergic. Just, I know. It is oh, nice. Really? Yeah. What's oh, that? That's a bummer. What's they're that? all allergic. To, oh, uh, your kids are allergic yeah. to pine trees? Oh, hmm. really? Oh, so am I. I thought it was like bad, too. bad, though, this or just sap? a little... I don't know, but we've never okay. tried it, to be honest with you. But <laughs> You're not going to risk it? <laughs> yeah. That is it. Don't, don't test it. Not just let it ride. Yeah. Yeah, Go. so, anywho. And then, and then sad news, but not unexpected news. They finally officially identified those remains in Alabama as that of young five-year-old Taylor Williams. Do we so, know why uh, that took so long? We don't. Uh, I, my, my, I mean, my guess is they probably knew for a little while and they just didn't release it right away. Um, they had, I mean, they, I don't know the answer, but they had to go and do, you know, they probably did some DNA testing. They had to get the dental records. Who knows exactly what state the remains were. So it depends on all those kinds of factors. So I just don't know the answer. But, all right. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not surprising. They were operating under that assumption all along. CBS so. 47, Fox 30 tonight. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, Mike Borish. Looks like a good week uh, for your forecast around it's here. It's going to be beautiful. Week. Hopefully you have some time off this holiday season. You can uh, cook the turkey up and then go enjoy some outdoor, some of the many outdoor offerings we have here. Are we playing Doobie Brothers right now to the break? Who's should yeah, be this, playing? Yeah, this is Doobie Brothers. Yeah. No. I'm kidding. I, Kuz, I was joking, man. No. Look at me like I'm an idiot. I don't yeah, have headphones on. For the record, I don't have headphones on, so yeah. I just heard music. So I was hoping maybe it's Kuz... Some, it's some rock band music. Oh, yeah. man. CBS 47, Fox 35 right. until 7 o'clock. And at 7 o'clock, uh, Jags Report live tonight from Top Golf. Come on out. Hit golf balls. Get your frustration oh, out. There you go. At hit 7 some, o'clock. Hit some stingers. On CBS 47. We'll be back. We're talking more about this Jags. What about the defense? Is that an excuse for Foles? I say... No. Next on ESPN 690. All you haters out there, Nick Foles wasn't on defense, okay? He didn't give up that many points. Ah, there we go. That's a good segue. I love uh Eric Locke, by the way, who asked a good question about Tom Coughlin we might get into today or might not get into until t- tomorrow. <laughs> he just saw I was opening an envelope and having trouble with it. He said, you're having trouble with that envelope. <laughs> I was. Yes. By the way, that was someone in the building. We had some, like, thank you for Thanksgiving. Yeah. That was nice. Very nice. I didn't write anybody's thank you. <laughs> I didn't either. We, we got a, thanks, a Thanksgiving thank you? Well, I think they did this, right? Was this like a station initiative thing? Is this like a team well, bonding, team their, building? They had their it? Friday was our Thanksgiving, which I yeah. keep, we, our, our company's Cox Media Group, so I was calling it something giving, and uh, yeah. the company asked me to stop calling it. Oh, that. wait, look, can I see the card quick? <laughs> it's 
That's awesome, by the way. Can I see that card quick? Because I think you have the envelope that came in. I do. I ripped it up. I was having trouble with it. Yeah, those were in the lunchroom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So get, this is how. Who's got like three? This is how fat I am right now because I'm on a fight you camp. You thought it was food? Well, no. So like, yeah, they're in a box, and I I'm like, oh, too. someone's got donuts. Score. Open them up. Envelopes. I'm like, nope. All right, I'm out here. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. I thought they're donuts, man. All right, yeah, real quick here, because we don't have a lot of time in this segment. Uh, but would the Jags have still lost these last two games with Minshew? Uh, I, I'd assume so, right? Because the defense isn't doing them any favors. Okay. So the defense, like I just chimed in, star, star, 690. Yeah. Always leave your responses, and we get them on, uh, and we have a lot of responses. I want to get to some of those in the next hour or two. A lot on social media, a lot on Facebook and YouTube and all those places. So we appreciate you watching, checking in on the show today here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I understand the uh, emotions are high. Brent Morton, Austin Lane. See, I think the defense is the eyesore right now. No doubt about it. But I take you back to that conversation I had a little earlier, almost kind of pseudo in defense of Nick Foles, where they had two holding penalties. They had a couple of plays where they could drop. And then on top of that, Foles. See, they, they give up that, that one play, uh, the one drive coming out. It was boom, boom, boom. Mm. You're like, oh, my gosh, here we go, 14 to 3. But then the next series was an awful series. I tweeted out. I said, what the hell was that possession? They had three plays, Austin, that didn't even go two yards down the field. One was a run play. Then they swung it out to Fournette. He got tackled at the line of scrimmage. And then they go bubble screen on third and eight. They're not even trying to push the ball down the field. They punt it away. And then all the other crap started to ensue. But it's like, what are we doing here? So I think the offense feeds into that. Now, I'm not excusing the defense. But I am not also going to give Nick Foles in this offense the excuse of the defense. Mm -hmm. It goes hand in hand. The game changes. The tone changes. If you make a play or two early on, their first drive was terrific, but they got nothing out of it. And if you don't get anything out of it, then you don't set the tone. You want the Titans and Ryan Tannehill playing uphill. You want that. Yeah. They well, could never this, get that. So that's on the offense. That's Foles' fault, too. That's this is Filippo's fault. This is a defense who held the Titans to seven points in the first half, and the Jaguars only put up three points. Spoiler alert, you're not going to score a lot of, you're not going to win a lot of games scoring three points in the first half. And, yeah, and that's my point. And yes, then the defense sucked. Absolutely. But the offense isn't much better until garbage time doesn't count. 35 to 3 stuff doesn't count. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. You're going to look at Foles' numbers at the end of the year. You're going to look at these two games and be like, oh, you almost threw for 300 yards. Well, we did that with Blake Bortles. And yeah. I was guilty of that at times, Blake Bortles. It doesn't work. These plays in the first half are critical of the way you're supposed to play. Why can't the Jags beat the freaking Titans? Next on ESPN 690. I heard the Jaguars are taking on Mayport Middle this coming weekend. They're only labeled as slight underdogs. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, well, my money's on the Jags in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be careful which way to go there. Uh, it was a little, it was a. Uh, up for some debate. There we go. Uh, thanks for some of the calls, by the way, and chiming in on Star Star 690. You can always do that, 904-362-9901 as well. Leave a voicemail, join the live show. We've had a bunch of callers today and a lot of social media interaction. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. I want to talk about this Titans and Jaguars rivalry or lack thereof because right now it feels like a hammer and a nail. I know the Jaguars have won some Thursday night games. I know they beat the Titans earlier this year. And by the way, that doesn't help the whole Foles camp at all from a Minshew versus Foles you know, department. Yeah. But uh, 
it just feels like the Titans have absolutely owned the Jaguars. So I'll get into it in just a moment because I've got some numbers to share with you. And maybe it's not as bad as perception is, like from my point of view, but it's still freaking bad. And if you can't beat somebody, you have no chance to win your division. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about it in just a minute. I want to give away uh, some tickets, though, to the 2019 Orlando Invitational. We've got some good uh, college basketball coming up this Thanksgiving weekend, including Thanksgiving night. So I know a lot of folks go down to Orlando. We used to do the Disney thing all the time uh, around uh, Thanksgiving and and always thought about going over to this event and never did. But Maryland and Temple, Texas A&M and Harvard, USC, Fairfield, Davidson, Marquette. Okay. I had no idea Marquette was going to be there. No, now, you have my attention now. So anyway, we'll give away a three-pack of tickets. Uh, caller number three, 904-362-9901. If you want to head down, this is tickets, by the way, for all the sessions. Yeah. So you don't have to just go on like Thanksgiving night or the Friday. It's a, it's a weekend thing, the 2019 Orlando Invitational. And uh, we're giving away some tickets. Caller number three, come and get them uh, if you want to see some college basketball, some good college hoops uh, this Weekend. Brett Martineau, cool. Austin Lane, Coos here. Uh, Coos, I'll let you get to the phones and then I'll get to some of those responses because we have a ton of responses all over the place. But the Titans, 2013, since mm-hmm. the Jaguars have won in Tennessee, 2013, they have not swept the Tennessee Titans since 2005. And that's through two coaches or three coaches for Tennessee Titans? Two coaches. Correct? Oh, my. Uh, because this is about to be my, one of my no, points here. It would Two, be more than that because Fisher, Malarkey. Oh, you mean the 2013? No, I'm saying Malarkey. From, yeah. Oh, more than that then. Because who was the coach? Luf- who was the coach before Malarkey? Luf- uh, it wasn't Fisher. No, was I'm that, sorry. When did they go from Fisher to, I don't know, you asked me a question. Yeah, oh, Munchak so, and Wizenhunt. Oh, oh, dude, okay. it's a ton of coaches. Uh, Munchak in 13, Wizenhunt in 14, Malarkey in 15 and 16 and 17, and Vrabel now in 18 and 19. I mean, that's my point of the so conversation. Four, one, two, three, four. Count. Yeah. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Yeah. Four coaches, okay? Mm-hmm. And so this is my, my, my illustration, <clears throat> is if you can't beat the Tennessee Titans – in their place, which, by the way, is not Seattle, is not Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, no. is not Kansas City. It's none of those places. If you can't beat Tennessee, which, by the way, in those years, 7-9, and 2-14, and 3-13, and 13, and now three straight years of 9-7, and seven, which actually is the most consistency that they've had in two decades. Mm-hmm. They've had the ups and downs, but this is consistent for them. And they can't beat them, man. They yeah. can't beat the Tennessee Titans. They're in their head. The Tennessee Titans are the big brother. It's like the Pedro Martinez, who's your daddy? The Tennessee Titans are the daddy. This is, and it's not a great football team. With all due respect to Tennessee, they are average, man. Mm-hmm. I just did their, since 1990, it shows you the curse of this Jaguars franchise is the Titans. I, I believe that, and I think a lot of people probably do believe that, but it's the 1999 Tennessee Titans that have put the curse, the whammy, on this organization. And they haven't recovered from it. And they can't beat the Titans still, for the most part. It feels like they never beat them. They beat them more than the record or, or the feeling is. Since 2000, uh, since 1999, counting that season when Tennessee won three times, Tennessee is now 28-16 and 16 since then against the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. 
Tennessee has averaged since the 99 season when they went to the Super Bowl. And this concluded a couple of high water marks, by the way. They have averaged 7.9 wins in the last 20 years. So, again, it's not like they've been unbelievable. They've won three AFC South championships. I think one of them was a central. So uh, they've won three division championships. They've gone to the playoffs six times in two decades. So what I'm trying to illustrate is why can't the Jaguars beat a team and a franchise that's had four different coaches in the last six, seven years, that's had been very mediocre over this two-decade stretch? And that just, to me, puts it in a nutshell of how bad things have gone in Jacksonville in since really 2000. Again, a couple of things here or there, a couple of little high points. But overall, it's been bad because you can't beat the team that's in your own division, even though there's really nothing special about them. So, and this dates back to 2010 when I played for the Jaguars. I think the problem with the Jaguars and why the Tennessee Titans always have their number is because if you want to pick two teams that mirror each other, for the past decade, it's been the Titans and the Jaguars because both teams, whether it was with Munchak, whether it was with Malarkey, Wisenhunt, Vrabel, both teams believe in the same thing. You're going to run the ball first, you're going to play solid defense, and you're going to win in the trenches. And that's been the Jacksonville Jaguars calling card now for the past decade. And they've had a couple coaches, but I feel like they've, they've, they've shared the same philosophy, right? And the Tennessee Titans... Every time, you know, the Jaguars play them, except, you know, the few instances like the Thursday night game where the Jaguars actually won, the Titans do it better. The Titans win in the trenches more. The Titans run the ball better. And the Titans play better defense. It's as simple as that. It's like the, the, the Titans are the big brother because the Jaguars are trying so hard to be the Tennessee Titans. They're trying so hard to bring this physicality. They're trying so hard to run the ball. They're trying so hard to play good defense. And to be fair, they have played good defense in 2017 and, you know, maybe some years prior to that. And the offense was kind of the, you know, the problem. But now, I mean, they don't even hold a candle to the Tennessee Titans anymore because they don't play good defense. They don't win in the trenches. And sometimes they run the ball okay. So from that perspective, Brendan, it's simple, man. Like the Titans, whether you want to call it coaching, culture, or just the way they do things, whatever it is, the Titans are better at being the Titans than the Jaguars are being the Jaguars. Well, it goes back a little bit to what you said on Friday. We were having a little fun, right? And you said, like, what would the Jaguars be if they were uh, an outfit walking down the street? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, what is that? Doc identity? Martens and oh man, I said Doc Martens, uh, a pair of 1990 Oakley sunglasses, 1998 Fossil Watch, Jim uh, Shorts. Yeah, just but, craziness. And so the Jags don't know who they are. They don't have an identity. That was your point with yeah. that. And they don't have an identity. In these last few years, they have an identity. And quite frankly, although you say that's their identity, run the ball, play good defense, whatever. When you don't know if you're doing it well and consistently outside of a year here or a year there. I don't know if that's your identity anyway. What the Tennessee has done is said, that's our identity, and it doesn't matter who we hire, Munchak, Malarkey, Vrabel. We're getting these big, tough guys, and that's what we're going to do. Jeff Fisher back with Eddie George. I mean, it's been the same yeah. story for, forever. That's who we want to like. be. Now, yeah. again, I I think somebody said on Twitter today, it's like you always talk about the Colts and the Texans, and you always think uh, the Titans aren't very good. Like, because I don't think they're very good. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not. They're average. What Jags are worse than that. I get it. I tip your, my cap to you. But you're average, too. Like, the Tennessee Titans are not going anywhere. 
The yeah. Tennessee Titans are stuck at nine and seven, and, eight, and I'm not saying right now that's not a bad place to be. Maybe make well, the playoffs. They, they, they did beat the Chiefs. You know, they beat the, the Chiefs with, with Patrick Mahomes. Well, I'm just saying the evidence to this point they've been stuck. And yeah. if, if now all of a sudden they become a 40 point team under Tannehill and he finds himself and they're more than that, maybe the mm-hmm. maybe that's who they become. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been, you know, and. I guess that's a frustration. You know who they are. You know what the tape says. You still get your butt whooped by the Tennessee Titans who are in your division. And until you figure that out. So my my point in this illustration is whatever happens next with this Jaguars organization, they better figure that part out. How to beat the Titans. Yeah. You know, almost before this team can beat the Colts, figure that out. They can't beat the Houston Texans right now. But I almost put the Texans on the back burner for a moment because I just think you have to be – if you cannot handle the Tennessee Titans and beat them – and again, I'm not saying you're going to sweep them every year. But I just gave you the statistics. Mm -hmm. An average football team you have not swept since 2005, even when you were pretty good in years, 2007, 2010, 2017 – you still couldn't sweep the Titans, you know, mm-hmm. the they have to fix that part and they have to stop looking like this against the Titans. I mean, this is not what the Titans even try to do to you. That to, to me, that's like the infuriating part of last year against Derrick Henry and this time around against the Titans. They not even trying to score 42 points, man. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. they want to win 20 to 16. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they are. And the Jaguars, look, they, they embarrass themselves and the franchise and the fan base and everything else against the Tennessee Titans. That's the way it's been. That's like, that hasn't stopped. And to me, that's a big, if I'm a new, if I'm whatever person here next year, I'm coming in and I'm saying, we got these AFC South and there are signs on the AF, uh, in the AFC South in their building about the division right out of their locker room. Take care of the division. Yeah. All right. I like to focus on that. Shoot. I'm making the Tennessee Titans bigger. I'm, I'm making their logo way bigger. I'm, I'm putting freaking pictures of Derrick Henry in the locker room. I, I'm putting pictures of the two runs all up and down that building. Mm-hmm. I, to me, my main focus, it's like, it's like college football in a way. In college football, you can be, I think it was John Cooper for Ohio State, and you can have 10 wins and 11 wins and all these wins, but if you don't beat Michigan, and he never beat Michigan, it was like two for 11, your ass is gone. Sure. Around here, sooner or later, Dan Mullen can win football games, but he didn't beat Georgia here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to be pretty. People get fed up with that. You can't lose eight out of ten times, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the way it works a little bit in college. I kind of feel like the Titans are that right now to the Jags. These numbers, these embarrassing performances, all these it, it probably is the worst thing that's happened to the Jaguars this decade is the Tennessee Titans. Because I think it kind of capsulates everything else. If you can't beat an average football team like Tennessee, when you know what they're going to do and you can't be tougher than them in the game of football, because right now they've you've proven you're not tougher than Tennessee. Correct. They have challenged your manhood and you have lost. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry has almost single-handedly done that. Taylor Luan's a pain in the ass, and he has done that. And you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that would be the thing that I couldn't sleep at night about if I was the Jags, <laughs> well, if I'm Shad Khan, yeah. if I'm this organization. Is that right there? It's it's a lot of things, but it's that right there. Yeah, and you know, and this is just going back to the opening part where I stand by. If you can't beat the Titans, 
if you can't be a if you can't beat opponents that you see every single year or opponents that have lost a key cog like Andrew Luck, if you can't beat those opponents, Brent, then in my opinion, then you don't deserve to you know to lead a team. You, you just don't, and especially the Tennessee Titans of all teams. We knew what they're gonna do, and they did it. So all things considered, yeah. I don't know. You give me a weird look for a second. My, my bad. You kind of no, threw no. up my game. I was just looking. Uh, I was talking to Coos. Okay. Got you. You're good. Uh, okay. How about this? You know, the more I think about it, the better this idea seems. Coach Leach, any interest? <laughs> Robert Sixto, Sixto on uh, the social offensive media. oriented. Yeah. <laughs> get get Minshew back uh, reunited there. Yeah. It's, it's Coach Leach, who we had on the show. Is he, like, up for every job? Florida State? <laughs> He's, like, the first guy everybody well, thinks of is Leach, right? I'll tell you what, at least the press conference could be entertaining. Uh, Ebony Brown says, Jags didn't even beat the Titans in 17 the year. The defense was good. They truly ever know. That's right. The, the tit- yeah, that's right. I think I forgot about that one. The Titans swept them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's starting to weigh on me. I, I, I can tell, man. The Titans are starting to weigh on me. I can tell. It's simple. I mean, there's the, the more physical. The, the the Jaguars try to be physical, but that's just not their mo. And th- sometimes when you have that matchup, the physical team's always going to win. I mean, I love the local guys. Mm-hmm. I love love Derrick Henry having success. I love all that stuff. I'm tired of Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. I'm, I mean, I'm tired of it. Like, I'm, I'm, I can't watch that run anymore. I'm just, as I said, this is my breakdown after the game, my three takeaways. I'm tired of running backs having their highlight films against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm I'm tired of watching like the, the NFL uh, films year in review, and I'm tired of seeing Marlon Mack. I'm tired of seeing Carlos Hyde, and I'm tired of seeing Derrick Henry run rampant against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, well said. Uh, well, well said. Hey, a couple of uh, thoughts on the on. Facebook and YouTube and Kuz. There are a couple of pretty good ones. Let's get to them real quick. Uh, we got a call as well, so the reaction continues to roll in on uh, miserable Monday in Jacksonville. Yes. Uh, one of the comments says, we lost Telvin and Jalen this year, and now our whole team has lost its way. Our players deserve to be better. Do you mean our players deserve better? Is that what they're trying to say? You I know, so. the, the whole thing, someday we're going to reset this. Someday we're going to find out the impact. I, I can't imagine the Telvin Smith stuff is a huge impact in the locker room. There are so many people that will continue to tell you, and whether you believe this or not, and I don't know this or not. I'm not in the locker room. We're not in the locker room. We don't know this. But that that losing Telvin Smith in the locker room actually was probably beneficial to the Jacks. I don't. I don't know if that's true or not. I can tell you this, losing him on the field has not been beneficial. And I knew that wasn't going to be beneficial. You can be a critic of Telvin Smith. You can say he misses tackles, all those things. But I think they're missing something at linebacker. And they sure as hell ain't bringing Puzz back. So they had Telvin Smith under contract. That is starting to look worse and worse because Quincy Williams, once again, got turned around on the Tannehill thing. Again, I yeah, thought he had a nice tackle for loss. But, he did. Yeah. He had a couple of nice moments, actually. And maybe he got a little better overall. Who knows? Yeah. My, my, Telvin Smith would have some bad plays, too. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is they've suffered a little bit at that weak side spot. Mm-hmm. They have. I'm not a big believer that that weak side spot will win you, lose you football games. But I think in terms of making plays, this defense has not made enough of them. And I would think Telvin Smith is one of those playmakers, kind of like Jan has showed up, right? I mean, Jan, we don't even talk about. He makes the big play, but we don't talk about it because that game is what it is. So why talk about that play with all due respect to Jan? Um, and there's probably more people who want to talk about sticking up the middle finger. Then actually the strip sack fumble, yeah. which was actually an important play in the game at it was the huge, time. Huge momentum changer. So, 
Uh, yeah, I think the Telvin Smith stuff, the Jalen Ramsey, it is what it is. I mean, he forced that issue. That wasn't going to be an amicable uh, fix. Mm-hmm. So the Jags, I think, did the best they could. Now, what somebody said earlier, and I think they're right, did they mess that up going into it? Did they get let it get too far? I think that's fair to wonder. Yeah, well, I think that's fair to wonder. I think that goes back to Coughlin and, and the front office and, and how they handled whatever situations were going on there that he didn't like. And at the end of the day... You know, whether it's Jalen Ramsey leaving, whether it's, don't forget about Dante Fowler, you know, I mean, they trade him away. Like, listen, if you look at the successful teams in the NFL, the playoff caliber teams, they're teams that build through the draft and they stick by their guys. Now, yeah, the New England Patriots, they can afford to let, like, Jamie, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Chandler Jones go away. I mean, because they had other guys at their disposal. The Jaguars don't have that. They can do that, by the way, because they have Tom Brady. If the Jags were to get rid of Chandler Jones and he continues to do what he's doing in Arizona, they would be ridiculed forever as they should be. The Patriots face no ridicule because they're 10 and 1 and they win Super Bowls because they got Brady and the rest of them. they, they can afford to do that. Yeah, and we talk about the Jaguars. You can't afford it. And listen, I'm not sticking up for Dante Fowler here because, you know, for the first, you know, first-round pick, the high draft pick that he was, number three, right? Or number two? What, what did they pick, pick Dante Fowler at? Three. Three. For the third pick of the draft, maybe he underachieved a little bit, but he's doing pretty well in L.A. right now. Yeah. You know, and you can never have too many pass rushers. But my point is you lose Fowler. You lose Jalen Ramsey. You lose all these guys that – those can be centerpieces on your team going forward. They can be staples, and they're not here anymore. And we you talked about Jan. Jan had a good strip sack. I mean, I, I can't talk about I, – I, it's funny because I say I don't talk about that. I talk about it anyways. But, like, you got to pay Jan because you have to have him on your – like, you have to build through the draft. As simple as that. If you lose your guys that you draft that are, you know, Pro Bowl caliber or just, you know, seasoned vets, if you lose them – you're not going to win a lot of ball games. Simple as that. No, you're not, and they're not. They're not winning a lot of ball games. Simple as that. First Coast Bubble says they're tied to Foles for at least one more year, so it's kind of a moot question. Not sure about that. I, I I think both will be on the roster in 2020, but who plays is a different question. Jeff Richardson says Wash should be gone. Doug should be on immediate notice. TC should have been gone when Jalen left. Uh, again, the the TC conversation we might even have in the next segment or we might wait till tomorrow i haven't figured that out yet <laughs> as the bro flies says uh yep we should see marone and washes firing all over twitter and uh we have not uh one more uh bucktown jag we paid that guy 88 million he's done nothing when the game has mattered i did say this about Foles. he still hasn't done anything to wow you you know the drop in the bucket past the chart goes all the way back to week one it's really the only play that i've seen from Foles where i was like oh that was really cool. Mitch, you gave you a lot more of those kind of plays. Let's hit the happy hour horn before we take a break here on a Monday in a short week. Thanksgiving week. There's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing I've named. This is my favorite place. Nothing will replace, no. Anything goes. If gangsters are rolling, half face smiling. And so I think of the rhythm while you're drinking. Anything goes. 
grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders. Uh, recently a 98 rating for Vita de Louis. Check out VitaDeLouis.com for more information. Three new flavors, of course. Well, one already was there, Blanco, and then you got Reposado and Inejo. Uh And how about this? Coming up on Thanksgiving, you're wondering what to do? Austin's done it before. The Lemon Bar. I'll be there. Vita de Louis Tequila. <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend at the Lemon Bar, right out there at Neptune Beach. Sample featured drinks on Thanksgiving Day, 9 until noon, featuring a Vita de Louis Bloody Mary and a Vita de Louis Apple Ginger Cocktail. Try them both, Austin. Well, listen, it's not a plug. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be there. That's what we do every single Thanksgiving. Well, you better stop yeah. by. I'll say Vita what's de up. Louis. Absolutely. Uh, VitaDeLouis.com for more information on how you get it. Merchandise as well. We're going to take a time out when we come back. All right, I'm going to get into it. Tom Coughlin. Somebody asked a really good question about Tom Coughlin. Okay. So I'll share it with you (laughs) and then get your thoughts next on ESPN 690. The Jags are still paying for Bortles, and now they're paying for Foles, another terrible quarterback. Put Minshew back in. All right. Simple as that. I like it. The Mitchu love continues. I will say this. For all the callers I've called in, pretty understandable. I expect like belligerent, like just depressed people, but at least they're they're all spoken. Yeah, they were probably flipping the bird the entire time they were leaving the message. We call it pulling a yawn. Pulling a yawn. Pulling a yawn. I like that. Pay yawn. Pay yawn. And the bird. Yep. Name a bird after yawn. (laughs) Turkey. (laughs) At the Jacksonville Zoo. I like it. It's the week. It's he was just letting you know it's the week for birds. It's Jacksonville PR. Like let's go. Name a bird at the zoo after you I feel like you got to do it. I think that'd be a good move. You're welcome. That would be a very good move. Uh, Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber checking in. Coos as well. Coos, give me something else off that YouTube, Facebook, whatever feed. There's a lot of people jumping in. I want to try to get some responses. We appreciate you uh, interacting here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 on a miserable Monday in Jacksonville. Jason says AEW is going to be the con's downfall. Make your oh. football team good first. I mean, make your soccer team good first. I had one yesterday. I read it on TV. It said, how about if we just change the AEW roster for the football roster? <laughs> I thought that was creative. Put Chris Jericho at quarterback? Eh. Hey, I like, Lucha, I like Luchasaurus getting in there, man. Luchasaurus, a defensive end? Yeah, like he's that. definitely a D-end. Who would be the quarterback? Seriously. Uh, you got to go Cody Rhodes, right? I would think so. He's, he's the all-American dude. He's he's the natural leader. Yeah, I put Cody Rhodes there. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I like that. Yep, be good. Is he more Nick Foles or Minshew? Oh, good call. Oh, I'd say I more. I'd say more Nick Foles. I would say more Nick Foles. I don't see him too. doing all the you know the wild card stuff and. And going nuts on it. Maybe True, that, right? That'd be more of a Kenny Omega. He's more calm and collected. Yeah. I know the kicker's Marco Stunt. Correct. It's this dude is like five foot nothing. It's yep. hilarious. Kickers. Now I have no you idea what you guys are talking well, about. Well, you, you invited Kuz to yeah, hey, say the crowd reactions here, and here we are. Um, the fan reactions. You got any more? Yeah, someone says uh, this is this game was 90% on the coaching. The pieces are in place for a winning team. Fire Monroe, oh, fire Doug before he quits on yet another team. I don't know. Well, you know. That's a little shot for the Buffalo stuff, but I don't think he's quitting on this team. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of it does come down to coaching because like we discussed earlier in the show here, when when you go on at halftime and it's 3-7, to seven, and I know, Brent, you're not a big fan of adjustments, but that's what teams do. You know, I mean, teams make adjustments, and they see what their opponent is giving them, 
and they react off that. Hardly ever. I don't care how good you're playing as a team. Do you go into that locker room at halftime and say, we're all good. Don't need to change anything. You're always going to change something. And for the last couple weeks, when the Jaguars go in at halftime in a close game, they come back out and they falter on offense and defense. And to me, that has to be on coaching. So I wouldn't say if it's 99% or 90% like the, like the fan that responded saying it was, but I think a lot of it has to fall on the halftime adjustments of that coaching staff. Yeah, and I th- listen, I, I believe, again, I said at the start of the show, and if you're just jumping in, I uh, said it a couple of times. I try to wait as long as I can on the coaching stuff because I think it's the easiest go-to by the fans and everybody outside the building. And I, while I understand the frustration and I think the fans fire, 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 fire everybody, I, I just – I would probably subscribe more to the patient view of that rather than changing over another coach, another coach, another coach. I don't know how that always helps. I guess, you know – if you subscribe to it, you might be right because maybe it changes up and you hit on one, much like quarterbacks, right? Draft mm-hmm. one every few years because maybe you'll hit on one. So I, I can get, come with you on it. I'm just saying I don't usually subscribe to that. So and I think that it's, makes our January a little longer. <laughs> that might be influenced by that. But I also think I think winning's hard in the NFL. I, I do. I think people have proven that. Yeah, I, but I, I think I mean I get winning's hard in the NFL, but guess what? 50% of the teams that week are going to win. They 50% are. 50% are going to lose. But 50% of the teams are also going to be the Chicago Bears from last year to this year. The Jags from 17 to 18. Six teams miss the playoffs every year that were in it the year prior. That's half, man. That's how hard it is to win in the NFL. And that's, by the way, with you, your, your definites always in. Seattle with Russell Wilson. Brady and the and the Patriots. Now Mahomes and the Chiefs, it looks like. I mean, you're going to have two or three, and usually like a Packers team. You have your two or three standbys, then you have six that aren't making it. That's what my point is of how hard it is to win. you got to get lucky a little bit with injuries. you got to get lucky with the ball bouncing your way and calls. So I guess I have – that's what holds me off on the firing all the time, right? And I think you also see people that looks like they stink – rally and have good years and i I mentioned harbaugh and tomlin looked like i don't know about this but and then there are the situations like cincinnati is like what the hell took you so long that was never going to happen the thing that that leads me towards that all right we need to make these changes kind of discussion is the game's not being close at the end i mean you talk about the nfl being this one possession league where every game is super close at the end and you kind of got that sense towards the end of the Gus Bradley era where game after game, it just ended up not being close, not being entertaining, not being something the fans could watch to the end of the game and not leave early. And that's what we've had the last three games is where it's been a blowout when you hit the fourth quarter, when you hit the time that, you know, you're supposed to really be on the edge of your seat, not on the edge of your seat in your car, ready to leave and True. do traffic. Well, and so my I, this, I never finished the thought. I'm with you now, bro. I, I'm yeah, tired yeah, yeah, because yeah. of what you just said. It was four and four. Everything you did, I thought it was a good way to do it. The players, you you said, trust the players. And you know what? At the end of the day, you brought up Gus Bradley. You know, Gus Bradley's way of coaching was to trust the players. Mm-hmm. He wanted the players to have to own that locker room, to to own take ownership of everything. That's kind of was his philosophy. That's why it is, I think, a little bit in Seattle and and the way they do things like Correct. that. Well. It flopped because they didn't have the ownership in that locker room. They had all Yachty, the guys guys that had some talent, but they didn't have the ownership in the locker room. Even with players like Puzz in there and Mercedes Lewis, it wasn't enough. It flopped. Well, you know what, Doug Marone, at the end of the day, he flipped the script in 17 from the Gus Bradley way. He's nothing like Gus Bradley in terms of his approach. 
and they went to the AFC Championship game. They changed everything. Well, you know what he kind of has done in 2019? He went down the Gus Bradley way and said he got input from the, the players. He said, I think you guys can handle this. I wanna, I'm want i going to give you – this is your team. Again, I'm, I'm not telling you like he told me this. I'm just – my view is this is what he did. Mm-hmm. And – at 4-4, four and four, they had it all in front of them, and they've lost by 20-plus for the last three weeks and given up 200 yards, and the players haven't paid them back. Which, you know what that means? That means you made the bad move of doing it. Uh, and I can't imagine Tom Coughlin agreed with the way he did it in the preseason, the way he handled because Tom Coughlin has never done anything like that in two decades. So it backfired, and he's probably going to lose his job because of it. That's just the way it goes. And I think he knew that. I think he knew he was taking a chance. And I actually respect what he what he tried to do. He said, I'm going to do this my way, not the way they want me to do it down the hallway. But if my ass is on the line, I'm going to do it my way. Well, yeah. my ass is probably yeah, not of a job. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just the way yeah. it goes. I mean, you roll the dice sometimes. That's the way it goes. You go for two in Houston. You don't get it. That's the way it goes. You roll the dice. So and I can respect you rolling the dice and having the, the wherewithal to do that, especially with the current situation of the Jags with Coughlin there and then Caldwell being the GM and Marone doing the coaching stuff. And that brings us to the question. And it was a great question by Eric Locke. He asked me uh, uh, about this this morning, I think, on social media. He's reading a lot of the responses over these last couple of days says, hey, it looks like everybody's all over Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Don't like anything on Coughlin. Don't want now. I, I think this is social media. I'm not sure if you walk down the streets of Jacksonville, they say Coughlin's got to go. But I think there are a lot of people. If when I ask questions, they point to Coughlin and they didn't like the Coughlin Ramsey thing for the longest time. Right. And until that kind of heel turned on Ramsey. A Ramsey's little bit, not too. here, though, because of Coughlin. Yes. Mm-hmm. So and they view Yannick not getting paid. Uh, because Coughlin, they reviewed, they put the dead money of Blake Bortles on Coughlin. So anyway, the the question was, is he tarnishing his legacy? I mean, this is a guy that he's going in the pride someday. He did so much for this organization. He comes back in year one and it's grit and win lunch and gets to the AFC Championship game. I mean, just adding to the Hall of Fame career. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think he's going to Canton, Ohio. But how much right now are these two years this year tarnishing the legacy of Coughlin in the eyes of the fans? I mean, that's the question. Uh. Do, do you let it stick with just Marone and Caldwell, who he had to inherit? Or do you say, all right, Tom, find us the right guys to do this. We're going to get rid of everybody else, but we're going to keep you. And you, you know, this is on you now kind of thing. Because well, you get that sense now that it's he's part of it too. But I just feel like if you're talking about his legacy – you know, he he inherited a coach who'd been on the staff before and a general manager who had already been here when he got well, here. Well, in fairness, though, you're right about the general manager. And I think I think there were some moves made here. I think Chadcon uh, wanted to keep Todd Wash as a defensive coordinator. I think uh, Dave Caldwell, he wanted him to be along. He wasn't didn't want to make it all the decisions, but he wanted him there. He 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 signed off on that. But I do think Tom Coughlin had every bit Marone. to do with Marone being here. Yeah, And so, I mean, he helped sign off on that. I think he had said basically two coaches. I think the other one was uh, Smitty uh, from at Tampa at the time, Mike but Smith, Atlanta, yeah. Mike Smith. So, so but, I, I mean, so he had everything to do with that part. Here's the way I look at it, though. So Jalen Rams is obviously gone. And Tobin Smith is no longer, well, he's retired as of now. Who knows if he's coming back or not. That has a direct core, and I'm not saying it's a coincidence or anything, but the two guys that Tom Coughlin called out. Mm-hmm. In that, mm-hmm. you know, the what was it, the state of the franchise, was yes. it? Yeah. Yes. The state of the franchise address are no longer on the Jaguars. Now, coincidence? 
I don't know. Do I, do I want to blame Tom Coughlin? I kind of do because I think it, it has a direct correlation to it. So does Tom Coughlin's reputation get tarnished or anything things like that? I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's won Super Bowl. So I think he's always going to – Just not here. Well, he won well, Super not Bowl, here. but what he did to build this. You know, yeah. That's where his legacy – he's revered here because of what he did early on for the Jaguars. I mean, he's the first coach in history, sure. and he did great things with this Jaguars franchise those first handful of years. Yeah. I mean, I guess from the fans' perspective, of, do you want to see Tom Coughlin go – I think most fans would want to do that. And if you're Shad Khan, listen, if you're a businessman like Shad Khan is, I understand that it may not be the easiest thing to let a legend like Tom Coughlin go, right? Like yeah, it, when you hired him, and, you had to know you might have to fire him. If Shad Khan had his way, he would let Tom Coughlin resign. Right now, I don't know where Tom Coughlin's at in a mindset. I don't know if he still wants to keep on doing this. Not sure if this is last year. But if you're Shad Khan, you don't understand maybe the X's and O's of football, so you put people in charge that do. You're not Jerry Jones. I say it all the time. You're not Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is like the head of football operations because he understands the game. Shad Khan put people in charge to do that for him. Well, guess what? It's not paying dividends because the people that you put in charge, whatever reason, whether it's the coaching, the GM, or Tom Coughlin himself, whoever you put in charge to run the show, they're not running the show. They're running it into the ground, okay? So from that perspective, you have to make a change. And if that involves firing Tom Coughlin, then so be it. But you have to make a change because the people that you appointed – to head the football operation, it's not happening. I think uh, Shotgun has a lot of respect for Tom Coughlin and let him make a lot of those moves. I wondered well, those two things that I had. I had a thought preseason, uh, on a preseason, maybe early in the season, before all the Ramsey stuff blew up. By the way, when people would talk about Tom Coughlin, I thought he, my gut, this was totally gut, that I thought there was a really good chance he would get out after this year, win, lose, draw. Mm. So it doesn't have anything to do with the Ramsey situation, but then something happened with the Ramsey situation. You just explained it. Shad Khan hired Tom Coughlin to do a lot of things football-wise, just like he hires Mark Lamping to do a lot of things business-wise. And I'm sure there are times that we don't see because it's less public that Shad Khan has to jump in and say, help Mark Lamping with something or he needs his advice or whatever. But the Ramsey situation, Shad Khan had to jump in the middle of, and he didn't want to do that. He doesn't want to be Jerry Jones. He doesn't want to have to do that. And to me, I wonder at that time, and I don't know, but I wonder at that time, that was a major red flag to me to say, whoa, the owner had to take care of something that he hired somebody else to take care of. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good sign. So one other thought. I did this. uh, I remember when Tom Coughlin got hired, the guy that we referenced, because this is a unique deal. It's not unheard of, but it's a unique deal. You go. GM Caldwell, Marone, you know Marone, he says he has nothing to do with the personnel. He says it. He's like, I'm coaching the football he team. Reminds and that's every press and he conference. reminds you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but then you have Dave Caldwell and you have Coughlin, this vice president of football operations. So you have this three headed monster. It's a unique enough thing. It's not unheard of, but it's unique enough. Mm-hmm. And so what I reference when this happened, when this hiring happened, I remember we were at the national championship game <laughs> in Tampa, <laughs> when it yeah. happened in Tampa, Clemson, Alabama, great game. Uh, and when it happened that time, the immediate go-to was Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells did this in 2008 with the Miami Dolphins, and they saw immediate returns. 11 and 5 year for the Miami Dolphins. Mm. After that, not good. 
Seven and nine, seven and nine. Parcells was out three years in. One winning season now since 2008 because they did not draft well in those couple years. They did not make good decisions. I think some of that decision making was the Ryan Tannehill move or not getting another quarterback and, and getting long instead. Was it Jake Long? Yeah. I think they ended up drafting. Uh, I didn't look at all that. But bottom line is they've had one winning season since 2008. That was in 16 when they went 10 and 6. And Parcells had immediate impact. 11 and 5. Bam. But then nothing. Well, think about around here now. Tom Coughlin, immediate impact. Mm -hmm. Great year, wins the South, goes to the AFC Championship game. Since then, nothing. Mm -hmm. 5-11 and and now whatever this is headed to. It might not be a sustainable operation the way you got it set up. Vice President of Football Operations, GM, coach. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. Add to that some of Coughlin's guys on the staff. Dom Capers coming in. Yeah. Has he muddied things up for Todd Wash? Do we have too many people to, you know, I mean, you can look at it a variety of ways. When it goes wrong, it might be too many cooks in the kitchen. And that's my point. When you're winning ball games, everyone's hunky dory, everyone's doing great. But when you're losing ball games, people tend to pick sides and kind of start quicks a little bit. All right, we'll go back, uh, put a bow on a Monday show right after this on ESPN 690. Uh, probably more Jags talk. Might as well. That's all it should be. I can't speak for all the other coaches. I, I don't worry about it. Uh, you know, it is what it is. And if you don't win, then you're always going to have a chance to get fired. And if you win, you still have a chance to get fired if you don't do it well enough. So you just work your butt off, and it's up to other people to, to handle that. And I just leave it up to them. I'm not going to waste any time, you know, worrying about that. What I'm going to put my time into is how can we coach them better, how can we play better. I haven't figured out the latter. Uh, I do appreciate Doug's candid nature when it comes to that. He knows the questions are coming. He He's a realist when it, he knows how this business works. He's been in it for a long enough time. I think there's a lot of coaches that just deflect that stuff. I appreciate the fact that Marone didn't deflect it. He knows what just transpired the last month. I mean, that's not going to help him. <laughs> it doesn't help the Jags win games. But there is an appreciation, at least for me, for how he answered that question because it is what it is. I mean, think about it now. Mike Malarkey, who we were just talking about with the Titans – they won, they went nine and seven back to back years and the Titans like had not done that very often winning seasons in the last like decade and went nine and seven back to back years and he got let go. Yep. So that's what Doug's talking about. After when, a playoff appearance. Yeah, you can win games and, and it still doesn't matter. He also got fired one year in, in Jacksonville as well. In Jacksonville, yeah. yeah. One year. Um, two and, and 14 year, but yes. Well, it's well, only one year. You well, you expect- know, in my opinion, that was more. Gene Smith right. and, and Malarkey said, hey, we can win with this football team. Yeah. And Shad Khan took that as you guys basically lied because they you not. did not win with oh. this football team. Oh, that you know, so th- that that was, I think, why he got fired. Mm-hmm. If I remember those kind of conversations, the statements, it kind of read that way. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they like told us we built. had a playoff kind of team. And that was after. That was the next group. That was well, the next group. And then, also yeah, got fired. that was the next group. But the I, I still think there was a candid nature of the way, like, Caldwell and Gus approached that, said, we are we are ripping this thing down. It's going to take a couple years. Yeah. Now, their hope there was to win by year three. And they didn't. And they said, all right, we think we can win this year. And they didn't. And then he was gone. But, uh, you know, and what happened was, if you look at that next year, you know, with the help of, say, Coughlin and Caldwell Marone, they flip it around. It took five years the way they did it. Yeah. So, you know, San Francisco has done it a totally different way. San Francisco said, hey, we want to do this, too. We want to kind of rip it down. I know they had conversations with the Jaguars on kind of how they did some of these things. It's no secret and no surprise that Sala is the defensive coordinator in San Francisco because he had been through what the Jags had tried to do. 
And so what San Francisco said was, hey, we kind of want to rip this down and start all over, but we want to speed the process up. We don't want it to take five years. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to take four years. We don't, we don't have that kind of time. And so they looked at what the Jags did. They saw what the Jags tried to do and did with minimal success at first or none, and then, bam, hit the AFC Championship game. They believed in kind of that, kind of like how Houston has set the model in MLB. You got to make the right choices. Right now, if you look at what San Francisco has done, one, they got themselves a quarterback they believe in. Say, they got a bonus here, too, by him getting hurt last year. They did. Yeah. And, but it sped up the process yeah. knowing that you have a guy you believe in and you gave $130 million to or whatever they gave him. They also have a Shanahan, an offensive coach, an offensive-minded coach that helps in this day and age where I think the Jaguars were behind because they went defensive-minded rather than offensive-minded. And they've hit on players like George Kittle. You know, yeah. they, but, but the, to be fair, they've also been defensive minded in the draft, though, as well. well they have been very deep. Yes. They, they, they built that defensive line for, it seems like, the past decade through the draft. Yeah, and they did. And they and, did and it and well. It worked. And it's worked. Mm-hmm. And can it lead you to the promised land? They seem to show like you can, man. San Francisco. They'll go back to 5-11 and 11 next year. It'll be fun. pretty impressive so well, far. And that's what the NFL is. Uh, yeah. You know, the NFL is the Raiders, 6-4, and four, and then get stumped, stomped by the Jets. Sure. Huh? The Patriots still doing their thing. They do, and I will. I've got to admit, I said this on we, TV last we, night. We gonna give them some credit now. I will give them credit. I said it on TV last night. Brent's I, coming around. No, nah, listen. I still hope know? they lose. Uh, and Brady playing playing JV teams. I, I told Tom Brady. I told Tom Brady he should have retired yeah. at the end of last year. He yeah. didn't believe me. No, he didn't. He should have retired. I also said they will never win another Super Bowl. Well, not never, but like in in the next whatever. I remember they're not winning this year's either. Mm, I think they're going to it though. No, they're not. The Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl? No. Okay. They're not. Okay. Highest ranked offense in the NFL. Nine points. Check this out. Love it. I love it, man. Who do you think is going to go from the AFC then, real quick? Did you just watch your fantasy score? Did you see the weather in New England? Saw the weather, man. That happened? Did you see the By the way, Dallas the, is famous for... Did you see the weather in Philly? By His the fantasy way, score wasn't good, How about the tripping call? The oh, phantom uh, tripping call. Nice just, call did again. You see, did you see the, the weather Patriots. in Philly, too? You see the weather in Philly? How'd the Seahawks do? Yeah, that one I was wrong on, too. <laughs> oh, I know. By the points. way, who do you want? Wentz or Foles? I want neither, maybe? Can you answer me who the AFC team is going to be for the Super Bowl quick? Who do you got? Ravens, baby. Ravens? I would take the Ravens right now over the Patriots, yes. Fantasy quarterback. Okay, okay. I'm not mad at that decision. But fantasy quarterback right there. Okay. It doesn't matter when you're in the playoffs, but, you know. Playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised as neither of them. <laughs> the Chiefs. Good. Okay. Yeah. Never know. Get hot at the right time. Bills. <laughs> <laughs> Playing that good defense, running the ball. Brett, By the way, there is know. breaking news. You have lost in fantasy. Oh, yeah. I'm not, not officially. I'm, I'm up 62 no, going into tonight. Stewart beat me in fantasy football. I lost the game. Sorry, buddy. I let you guys down. I'm not going to count my chickens once. before they hatch. I lost once in fantasy. It's going to be okay. I'm happy about that. <laughs> you think I care? I'm still in first place by a landslide. You're going to lose in fantasy I'm football. I'm making the playoffs. And if I make the playoffs, hey. anything can happen. Hey. I'm fighting for the better last spot, correct. so I needed this win. Hey, and if I see you, you better come correct. Jags Report say. Live tonight, 7 o'clock on CBS 47 at Top Golf. Come on out. Hang out with us. Pound some golf balls. Get your frustration out. Thanks for listening. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones 
who get it done.